As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So, Matt, yesterday, Michael randomly asked me, he said, what's the ninth letter of the alphabet? And it was a complete shot in the dark, but it turns out I was right. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty good. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. All right, everybody, here we are again. Matt, how you doing tonight, brother? Man, I am I am fantastic. I am excited for tonight's show. Oh, dude, me too. I was I was thinking that uh, just a little bit ago. I was like, man, this is this is an episode that you and I both were excited to do, are still excited about it, we're excited to get it out to everybody. Yeah. Um, so before we talk about that, because we do want to spend a little bit of time talking about that, let's get the housekeeping out of the way. Um, go check out the Podbelly Network at podbelly.com. You can find different shows to listen to, and you can find tricks and tips on how to start your own podcast. We also want to thank tonight's sponsors, Feels, AMC Shutter, and HelloFresh. And we'll talk a little bit more about them here shortly. Um, since we're talking about this episode, go check out patreon.com slash graveyardtales. Because I guarantee you, you're going to want to see the video of this episode. And in order to do that, the only way you can see the video of this episode is if you are a $10 member of our Patreon. So go over there to Patreon, sign up. Now, you don't have to be a $10 member. You can do one, five, or 10. And depending on which you pick, you'll get different bonuses and stuff like that but our ten dollar members every week they get the video version of this of the recording of that episode for that week so i'm waving at our uh ten dollar patrons now um but go check it out you know the the five dollar members they do get a video but it's only the video of our patreon episode so if you want to get the patreon video and the main episode video you got to be a ten dollar member yeah and I mean, even if even if you think, oh God, you know, I don't I don't really know if I want to if I want to shell out ten bucks a month 
you know, that's fine. It, you you might want to do a one time shot just to get this show. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm telling you. And if you're if you're a one dollar or a five dollar member, you may want to bump it up for a month so that you can have access to this. Now, you're not just going to get this. You're going to get all the other stuff, you know, and you'll you'll have access to that for the entire month if that's what you want to do. Um, but you know, it is a lot of fun. You you get to kind of see Adam and I, you know what we do while we're recording you you get a little bit of uh, of of the the pre-show chatter you know just the the crap that we talk about before we actually hit the record button so um I, it's a, it's a it's a really good and it's ad free to, and it's ad free you know it's a really good way for us to to peel back the curtain a little bit give you guys a little more access to the show um and and it and it helps support uh, our efforts too. And Absolutely. So, you know, you you doing that, we appreciate it. But we want to make sure that you're getting some value for what you're paying for. Right. And Matt and I both have decorated our backdrops, so our recording studios have been decorated. So you get to see what we put behind us uh, as a little bonus. We took time in thinking about. Um, what was behind us. Uh, Amanda even built the thing for Matt that's behind him. So there has been effort put into a good visual for you guys. (laughs) Uh, But go over there, check it out, patreon.com slash graveyard tales, or you can find the link to it down in our show notes on our website, graveyardpodcast.com, anything like that. There are links to it. Adam, let's take a minute and talk about one of tonight's sponsors, Feels. That's F-E-A-L-S. And Feels is a better way to feel better. Now, Feels is a premium CBD company, and their CBD products will help keep your head clear and help you feel your best. Now, CBD has been proven to greatly reduce anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. Now, when you start looking into CBD, it can be pretty complicated, but Feels makes the process as simple as possible so that you can start feeling better sooner. Now, are you new to CBD? Feels offers a free CBD hotline to help guide you through this discovery process. Or do you know that CBD is already right for you? Feels hassle-free membership program is guaranteed to help you feel your best month after month or your money back. It is that easy. It's shipped direct to your doorstep in only a few days. Feels is the new natural, healthy, better way to feel better. That's right, Matt. And over the years, I have tried a ton of CBD products and you get discouraged when you try some of these other companies because... For me, at least, I I would either try a small amount and not feel anything, or then I would bump it up and take a bigger dose, and then I'd be asleep on the sofa, you know. And and it wasn't something that I could do and and go out and everything. And that was one of the reasons that I wanted it because I have anxiety when I get in large crowds, um, and I also have back pain. The great thing about Fields is they have not only different milligrams but also different doses and it's the only company that i've ever found that you can tell a difference in the doses if you 
take the medium dose like I do, I was able to go out and go to stores and go shopping and I wasn't sleepy, but I did feel the relaxation and the anxiety um, being relieved. And for nighttime, you use the heavier dose. So it's the best CBD company that I have found so far. And Matt and I both think all of y'all are going to like it. Um, All you do is you place a few drops of feels under your tongue and feel the difference within minutes. The thing to remember about CBD is that finding your right dose is important and everyone's dose is different. In fact, Feels offers a free CBD hotline to help you guide you through your personal experience like Matt mentioned so that you find your perfect dose. The Feels customer service team is dedicated to making sure you get the best use of your CBD. And joining the Feels monthly membership makes your self-care easy. You'll save money on every order and you can pause or cancel anytime. So to start feeling better with Feels, you can become a member today by going to feels.com, that's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash grave, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's feels, F-E-A-L-S dot com slash grave, G-R-A-V-E, to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash grave. So Matt, we we teased to it. I'll say again, I, I was super excited that we finally got to pull this episode off because logistically it's taken us a little while to do because yeah, it, it, yeah. it wasn't that easy. You know, all of us wanted to do it. We just couldn't make it work. So tell us, what are we talking about tonight, brother? Okay, so tonight we we welcome some some good friends and fellow podcasters scott philbrook and forrest burgess from astonishing legends oh yeah and you know we've had a lot of folks um talk to us about this saying how cool it would be we do share a a lot of similar listeners so we had like like adam said we'd been talking to uh to scott and forrest since early on and um mm-hmm. as as we we developed a, a friendship with these guys we said hey you know we should we should really try and put something together for both of our our sets of listeners and as adam said it, it's difficult when you have different recording schedules you have different time zones to get everybody on the same schedule yeah we were in four different states yeah. So. so for for us to be able to pull this off was was really great but for Scott and Forrest to be willing to come on and do this with us was just tremendous. And and, and I mean they are they are fantastic guys. Um they've been doing this way longer than us. You know, we we learned so much from them early on 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 how to how to do this and do it well. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And we just we're over the moon about th- this episode coming out. So um, it's going to be essentially just a little roundtable of us talking about different topics. Um, 
you'll just you'll just have to see. I mean, it it's going to be a little bit longer than our typical episodes, but we think you're really going to enjoy it. So yep. And no it, reason to listen to me blabber on anymore. <laughs> yeah, um, I was going to say real quick before we started that yeah, it it's just kind of random topics we um, we start out discussing some stuff that's in the news here lately. So you're gonna you're gonna enjoy that, and then it just kind of evolves. It it literally is what our show is meant to be, and that's just buddies sitting around talking about some weird stuff. And that's what this episode ended up. Couldn't be more happy about it. So like Matt said, we'll stop talking and blathering on here and let you get right into it. All right, everybody. So here is the episode that we teased to you guys that we told y'all you would not want to miss. So we're here with Scott Philbrook and Forrest Burgess from Astonishing Legends. If you don't know who they are, shame on you. Um, You should go check them out. But how you doing, fellas? Oh, you know what? We're doing pretty good. I'm doing all right today. How you doing, Forrest? I'm I'm doing just fine because uh, this was the biggest thing happening in my day. So uh, <laughs> it's it's been a stress free free day. I've been looking forward to this. It's been a long time coming. You guys have been uh, Adam and Matt have been uh, uh, chatting with us for a long you know for years now. I got to uh, meet Adam when he came into uh, L.A. for for a family uh, vacation. Yeah, and I've listened to their show. We have a huge amount, I think, of crossover audience. Oh yeah, which is yes. fun and exciting. Uh, a lot of the same people, and uh, I, I think uh, uh, your your Facebook group has a lot of our folks, and uh, they're probably a lot nicer. Although <laughs> ours are pretty nice, but uh, <laughs> but you, you seem to generate, I think, a lot more goodwill and and friendly vibes than we do, perhaps. And uh, but anyway, yeah, I've been looking forward to talking with you guys on a show format for a long time now, so I'm glad it's happening finally. Yeah, yeah, now, we're we're so glad that uh, we could get this together. Um, cause I, you know, I know we've talked about it for a long time of, of everybody's schedule, just matching up for us to be able to do it. So we're, we're glad you guys could come on and, and do this with us tonight. Yep. I think, uh, everybody's going to love it cause we've had people, I mean, y'all may have seen them too, where we get tagged on Twitter, you know, you guys need to do something together. We, we need graveyard tales and astonishing legends together. And, I I always try to just like brush it off because I don't want to yeah. like give any false hopes, but I also don't want to tease to anything that we're talking about. <laughs> so <laughs> that's true. Well, yeah, and tonight we're gonna dash all their dreams. They're gonna be like, "Oh, that wasn't any good." <laughs> yeah, right. And <laughs> can we just forget that happened I don't know and I, go back to? <laughs> I don't want to listen to either of those shows individually either. You know, they're, yeah, right. They're done all with all four of us. <laughs> uh, but I hope you I hope you guys have a good dad joke to start us off with because. Uh, I always look forward to that when I listen to your show. Yeah. Uh, they, I don't have one set for right now, but there will be one on the episode when this gets going. Um, okay. All and right. I'm going to try to make it topical if I can, but we'll we'll see. Um, <laughs> what, oh, I'm sorry. The one I, oh, I missed from an episode, because I, uh, I only heard the punchline, and uh, it, it said, that's the one that kills you because you never hear the setup is the... Uh, uh, I think the punchline is you should see how she files her blank, her taxes or. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Because um, Matt was giving you crap because the last one bombed. And so yeah. <laughs> you say, well, they all can't, they can't all be good. And like, well, yeah. What about that? Uh, the last joke we told <laughs> and, and the punchline was, well, you should see how she files her uh, yeah, it SATs was, or something. Yeah, it was. Um, 
uh, Michael's teacher, she calls all of her quizzes quizzicals, which is fine, but you should see what she calls her tests. Uh, <laughs> oh man boy that was worth the wait yeah <laughs> that okay that's the one that has gotten the most reaction from everybody and i will never top that one i don't think that okay. was a good one <laughs> <laughs> so i'm glad we got to hear it fresh yeah oh yeah so we'll let everybody know kind of what we're doing tonight it's just a paranormal round table um this is not something that we have studied for or done any research for so we're just kind of throwing out topics and all of us kind of discuss it and any opinions we have or anything like that. So don't expect any highfalutin language from me or anything like that because I haven't practiced. So it'll just be what comes off the top of my head. I I don't know that we ever expect that. Well, that's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) Most of us, most everybody expect us to to mispronounce something. Uh, Yeah. Or several somethings. (laughs) <laughs> yep. Yep. But uh, it's part of the charm, I guess. Um, so I guess the first thing we need to talk about, because it's in the news here, and I was hoping that by today we would know something more than we do because they had teased to it, but that's the whole UFO disclosure thing, because I know they had said there was this stipulation in some omnibus spending package where they had to release unclassified reports of ufos within six months and yeah my thought on it real quick is just that they're gonna go yeah we've seen them don't know what it is and then that would be the end of the disclosure so what do you guys think (laughs) well i it's there's so much going on with this it's hard to like it's hard to nail down where to start with it i mean one thing that's happening is the 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 press is just chasing its own tail like the media like there are so many articles coming out they're all about the same three things or the mm-hmm. same three clips or every now and then Jeremy Corbell will release a, a new clip that he's gotten and then there'll be 5,000 articles about that. And the article is the one paragraph is about whatever's in the video and then the other 15 paragraphs have all, are all the same thing that's been being recycled for like two years. Right. And so that and that's that whole thing and we you know that we joke about on our show mystery solved you know that's, <laughs> there's always these misleading headlines where there's not a lot of data. But I think I think in terms of this, you know, and we talked about the, you know, I have the, uh, the the New York Times here, the the front when they did the front page article. Yep. And this is my chewed up copy. I bought three copies. One of them, Ryan Sprague, like offered me a, an unborn child for. So I, I, get, <laughs> I, I sent it to him because I felt bad for him. So I have one and then I have this other one that I put all my notes on. Just right. like all kinds of notes here from when I first read it, the day I first read it. But. And the thing that you think about that when this made the front page of the times, it's like, okay, there's something going on here, obviously. And it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then there was this, the whole part with Tom DeLonge or DeLong, how do you say his last name? But, um, with a G, I I do the hard G. Yeah. Hard G DeLong, that all of that, him being connected to it made it feel like, uh, all this information is, is maybe not cause now there's, they sell stock in it. I get, I'm on the email list. I get the emails where you could invest in the, uh, to the stars right. Academy, I yeah. guess it is. And, um, it, which is cool, but it feels like, okay, wait, is this entertainment or is this fact? What, what is happening mm-hmm. here? And then there's connections to Robert Bigelow and all just this, you know, and Harry Reid. It's, it's kind of like this big crazy mess. And then 
Uh, yeah. So I, I guess when you think about well, what's the information that's going to come out, it's not clear, really. It's What's the craziest thing to me is that this pivot is happening now after decades and decades and decades of them gaslighting everybody who ever thought they saw anything. Yeah. And so now they're saying, oh, no, we, we've seen stuff, too. It's real. We have the most sophisticated equipment in the world. And on top of that, what we're able to track is uh, performing beyond the limits of anything that we have ever developed or could develop. So then there's the subtext that, well, not only are they here, but we're in deep dookie because we can't do what they're doing. Right. And so does that mean they're a threat, which, of course, is the first place that, you know, governments go. It, it does stuff that we can't do. It's going to kill us. Mm -hmm. Whereas um, whereas, you know, the flip side is that is like, that's different. Let's catch it and dissect it. You know, so there's there's yeah, they have. It's just crazy to me. And it, it's yeah, crazy. Scott, to, you, yeah. You, you bring up a good point, though, because I I'm always trying to look now since we started doing the show and you fellas probably, too, is. Uh, when you get into it, uh, you look beyond just what's said, and it is, you know, to use that cliche, you look and read between the lines. So mm -hmm. what are they really saying here? What's What have they said, and, and what are the shades of meaning, and how are things phrased? And I do that now with uh, both sides of uh, politics and the news there. You see how things, you know, who who says what and how they're saying it, and you can kind of infer what's really uh, the intention here. And so what Scott said, when they... Uh, when, you know, when they said before that they're trying to gaslight you and, and now people are paying attention because it's a, you could, you could see how people are justifying it, especially with the military and, you know, uh, with, with David Fravor and now uh, Lieutenant Commander Alex, uh, trying to think of her name. She's the one who, who came on the she 60 was, Minutes. She was his radar intercept officer, right? right. She was yeah. in the backseat. Yeah. No, no, no. She was. I think she was flying her uh, her own. Her was own she, in a she, was, she was in a separate plane. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. She, she was, was like a wing. She was more in a right. holding. She, yeah. So she, she yeah. was in a holding pattern. That's Lieutenant Commander Alex Dietrich. And yeah. uh, so you're hearing just another voice. She's never spoken before. If you look at the uh, the series, you see some other uh, pilots that have come on and talked about it and. Uh, you know, these people don't deal in the woo woo. They they deal mm -hmm. in real world deadly threats and that's their job and they take it very seriously and they're very well trained at it. And so how they position it is now how we're getting politicians and the media to take it seriously in that, OK, forget about shaking hands with little green men and getting, you know, getting poked here and there in your in your various orify. What it's about is we have to figure this out and you have to spend money on this and pay attention because this could be a real threat to our national security. And you could tell they stick in. It's like, well, maybe it's the Russians or the Chinese. And then, you know, OK, oh, well, that's all right. So it's not little green men. We, we Maybe it's the Russians and the Chinese. Now we got to pay attention to this because you have to put in words to make people get wrap their heads around it take it seriously it's like oh well this could be foreign government technology and they're toying with us and maybe it's some highly advanced drone and uh that's mm -hmm. why we have to figure it out because that's how you get people uh to to pay attention to this stuff i remember uh, uh was it louis luis elizondo lou elizondo who is at, at one of the spearheads of this uh, of the pentagon project the a tip uh the advanced aerospace threat identification threat program identification. yeah yep at the Pentagon, uh, you know, he's got to put it. You could tell when he was on 60 Minutes, uh, and I can't remember who the who the interviewer was, uh, but I, I like the guy. But he's he's presenting the everyman, of course, journalist, serious journalist. And you're telling me that UFOs are real. And he's like, look, I'm not telling you that. 
Right. The military, your government is telling you that. Mm-hmm. And don't look because he's like, and again, that's wordage, wordage, wording to take it off of him as a single individual, possibly crazy guy. We don't know why he left the Pentagon. Maybe he's nuts telling this stuff and him saying, don't look at people and individuals. This is now your military saying that this is real and you have to pay attention to this. And that's why you see a, a billion articles because I, I I can't believe it myself, but people read this stuff and they never, it's like, no, oh, I guess there's UFOs are real. I don't know. Let's, let's see, let's take a look at the sports section or the, or the comics. And it's like, when this gets fully disclosed, it's going to be the biggest news story on earth ever. Yeah. Other than your religious story. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so what's going to happen though, is that uh, there's still going to be people like, nah, I don't care. You know, doesn't, doesn't affect me until Kang and Kodo. So you're overlords <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then everyone has to pay attention. So anyway, uh, well, but, yeah, that, I, I find that, you know, the, the wording, yeah, pay attention to the wording and what gets the little tidbits that do get released. Yeah. And I, well, I think it too, I do think it's a lot of fluff right now because they're like, we're going to talk about this. This makes headlines. Uh, people are going to click and we're going to get ad revenue and all of that. So they say they, they work these things into, and they write all these different articles about it. Um, you know, about the pyramid shaped thing, about the one recently where it's, it, they show it going into the water. I still think Fra- commander Fravor's footage is the most impressive in terms mm-hmm. of the um, how the craft seems to n- not have any control surfaces or anything. It's just doing whatever it wants. It's so sophisticated. So the the question becomes, uh, two, what, what changed psychologically internally with the Department of Defense or the government or whoever was deciding to pretend these things didn't exist to like, okay, now we can tell everybody. We can tell everyone now. And then, uh, and then the other part of this that I'm looking forward to is all the, you know, the diehard skeptics that we sometimes lock horns with who right. say that every single UFO is a fake mis- case of mistaken identity. It's, it's like, well, seagull. what do you say now? What yeah. do you say now? Where right. are those? Oh, where are those guys? Like, oh, no, they, they you know still have can say a, to uh, use. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, we can say to you, they don't know what this is. The U.S. military doesn't know what this is with the most sophisticated tech we have in an yeah. F-A-18F Super Hornet with like that's getting new stuff put in it every day in terms of sophistication. And that's why you can hear, um, I don't know who it is, which officer it is that once they get that radar lock, they're like, whoa, because, you know, they're trying mm-hmm. to get the thing to lock on mm-hmm. and it's nearly impossible because it's going so fast. But when they get that lock and they know they've got it in there and they've got the footage of it, it's it's amazing. But then the other thing yeah. is like there's all these little details in that article where, you know, like how it talks about how it was at their um the, in the in the course of this chase, the thing was at their destination, like yeah. it left them, and then it got there. It got to where they wanted to go before they got there. So somehow it knew where they were headed. Yep. Which that is that's crazy because if it's not monitoring communications or whatever, it's then that demonstrates it seems to have some sort of sophisticated control over time and space where maybe it understands what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, which and is so it, scary. And, yeah. So that's but, you know, this goes back to something I've been talking about on Astonishing Legends for a long, long time. What if all of the UAP now everybody's calling them UAP. So that's the newsflash. We're not supposed to say UFO anymore, I guess. But these unidentified aerial phenomenon. And then there's the USO, the unidentified submerged object, mm-hmm. um, which there was just a story a week ago about a submarine talking about tracking something underwater that was moving ridiculously mm-hmm. fast beyond any technology that we have. My thing was like, well, maybe none of this is interstellar. It's not coming a long way. Maybe it's all coming out of the ocean. Yep. All of it. And then that's, you know, um, 
the episode right before this episode drops, we covered the Baltic Sea anomaly. And that's that, you know, weird Millennium Falcon looking thing in the Baltic Sea. Oh, yes. Yes. And, you know, it's not proven. They don't have anything. But there's a lot of speculation that that's a downed USO or UAP and that it crashed and that's where it lays. And you hear all the time people talking about advanced civilizations or... I forgot what they what they call them, but uh, breakout civilizations or something of humans who are well advanced beyond what we are. And they've actually then set up a civilization under the ocean. And that's why you have so many of these UAPs that are seen coming and going from yeah. bodies of water. And one of one of the things that. I mean, in in my head that could make that fit is Matt and I always talk about one of my my theories that I I I stick to my guns on and I I don't take anybody who says anything different um, that seriously because I, I think there's proof that we are not the smartest civilization that's ever lived. If you look at stuff like Gobekli Tepe and all of these ancient um monoliths from different cultures way back then we're like oh well, i don't see how they could do it and you know it had to have been alien contact because we can't do it now and it's like no no we lost so much information with the burning of the library of alexandria that yeah. in there could have been the descriptions of technologies that we have not rediscovered now and if you take what we have now and we just stop civilization and you give it 3000 years, how much of the information that we have now is going to be left for a future civilization in 3000 years? Very little, only what we write on stone, right? Our internet cables will dissolve. Our computers are, you know, gone, all that. You're not going to see this, big fossil footprint of a super intelligent civilization. So people are going to look back on us and go, how did they build the, the empire state building? You know, they they don't seem to have the technology to do that. So what if something like that happened? And like you said, Scott, this is, they're not coming from another world out there in our universe. They're here and they've been here for a long time. And there's a book our Haunted Planet by, I think it's John Keel, and mm-hmm. he calls them Watchers of the World, or W-O-W, and, and he says, these things have been around since the dawn of time. Our mm-hmm. ancestors have been writing about them and talking about them since the dawn of time, and their sole job is to keep an eye on the world and not let us do anything too bad to destroy it, like nuke ourselves or whatever. And that's why they shut down nuclear plants sometimes just to say, hey, dummies, we're smarter than you, but they're not to interfere in any other way. And we're not supposed to know that much about them. So what if Keel had it right way back then that it's not, you know, little green men from Glorp, you know, 16,000 light years away. It's actually our ancestors that have been watching the world for however many millennia. 
I wouldn't be surprised if they're from Glorp. It's terrible there this time. It's <laughs> <laughs> looking to get away. But, it, but you, you, you know, see their thing, pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're we're out. We're leaving this place. But you know, when you think about it, you know, Adam makes a really good point because even looking at something as as well known as like the Nazca lines and and you start you go well that's amazing you know it's incredible you know i i get all that but when you stop to break it down and say how did a civilization with the technology that we believe they had do something of this scale without have without having the ability to look at it from above mhm and there's so much evidence that, you know, not only did they have technology that we don't know anything about, they, they had technology that allowed them to fly. And it, it once you start thinking on that scale, uh, anything is fair game. Yeah. Because we, we thought, oh, well, you know, human flight is restricted to this era. Maybe not. You know, may, maybe not. Maybe there was a civilization that figured it out somehow. It may not be in the way we did. But if if they could figure that out, what else could they have figured out? And and now we're we're beginning to see the evidence of it. And they're you know, if if you're taking uh you know kills theory, if if they if they advanced that far, then how much further are they advanced than we are now? To, to be oh, yeah. able to do this, and we're seeing the evidence of it. Yeah, you, Matt, you know, that's the uh, the argument there, uh, you know, Matt, that uh, if you look at what we started with the Industrial Revolution. So uh, 18, uh, you know, mid 19th century, 1820s to 1850s and, and beyond, we're starting to pick up steam here. And that's not that long ago. Imagine a civilization that's uh, had technology advancing for 100,000 years. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just were successful enough. And of course, now there is that uh, the the theory that eventually all civilizations collapse after a certain period of time. But we're extrapolating that from our own human experience. So uh, maybe they do it better. And they've been around for a hundred thousand years. And imagine what they could have developed in that amount of time, and and what they know. Just how literally light years away and advanced and far away from uh, you know are, is their thinking. Than us, and that's another angle uh, when people make with how aliens try and interact with us. Because when there is uh, there are abduction cases, and people have claimed to interact with these aliens, and it's almost like they don't get us at all. Like they they don't understand why we like the things we do. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't know what love is. Uh, they they're basically just here to see how we we tick biologically. But as far as the personality part, like their brains don't work the same way as ours. And, and an inter- another interesting point is that uh, we've talked to some remote viewers who have claimed to have picked up on alien intelligences in their remote viewing. And what they've said is that it's uh, you can tell because the thoughts are not the same as human beings. Like they, they just don't think in the same way mechanically as we do. And you can't know what their purposes are because when we look at something that's like high strangeness and we say, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you even do this? It's like, you're thinking like that. Uh, you're thinking about it as a, as a human mm-hmm. and they're not. So uh, you can't even begin to understand. Uh, and again, that's that one of my favorite uh, lines from uh, Mothman prophecies 
their reasons are their own and that you're not going to get it. Uh, so uh, they're trying to understand us. We're trying to understand them. They have the upper hand as far as it being a threat and people now freaking out, getting back to the point of uh, why now governments are paying attention and why the general public should pay attention and why especially politicians and uh, and I guess, oh, yeah, we Scott and I were, t- were wondering uh, when is this thing actually coming out? So what I'd heard is uh, the end of June, but they're not sure that could be pushed back. So there's no definite date. It's just somewhere near the end of June. Yeah, it was uh, 120 days from that COVID yeah. bill, I think. But I don't think it's set in stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the last As thing I heard the uh, bill. right on, on the news is that it could be, get pushed back. But here, the point here is that, uh, oh, my gosh, now we, we, we have something that's possibly a threat and we don't know how to protect ourselves. It's like. That's not the worry here. They've had this technology. We don't know how long, maybe since mm-hmm. humans were here and they've always had the upper hand. And so far we've been OK. Right. right. Uh, so it's not like we've got to like scramble now to, to, to figure out a, a death ray to, to battle them. Uh, there's another there's another higher purpose here, I think, if there is any. And that's that's maybe some understanding uh, for all of us. And uh, yeah, stop being idiots down here. Stop what you're doing snap out of your your day-to-day pettiness and start thinking uh, that there's a bigger universe out there than just our own selfishness. Sure. Yeah. I think that shows the the hubris a little bit of people now is we think we're the smartest. We think, well, they, this, I mean, it's alien to us. We don't understand it, but we don't, we just don't understand how we don't understand it. You know, it's like, well, we're, yeah. We're not necessarily the smartest being even on this planet. We don't know that for sure. So quit being so surprised by it. But the thing about all of that that I find so humorous is that people like the four of us and and people before us have been talking about this subject for how long? And you've heard David Fravor in our paranormal circles and UFO circles, David Fravor has been brought up for many years now. And then all of a sudden you've got CNN, Fox news, stuff like that, having him on and talking about it. Like it's this brand new revelation. And I'm thinking if I hear him say Tic Tac one more time, I'm going to throw something (laughs) because I've heard this for years. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's like, yeah. tell me something new. We've been talking about this and hearing about this for so long, and now it's yeah. just oh, coming the, into the New York Times thing. That's December 2017. Yeah, yeah. It does. Can you believe it's that long ago? It seems like yesterday to me in a way, but that's like, yeah, I mean, no, I can't. That's, that's almost four years ago. Yeah. So it's like, um, and we had heard about it before that. You know, there were people exactly. talking about it before that, and it's yep. like. Holy crap, you're just now coming around to it. So it makes me laugh every time I hear a big news corporation do that. And there again, I'm like, that's the hubris of, you know, the the mainstream media. It's like you didn't take any of the researchers and podcasters and stuff seriously that were talking about it. But now you do because you can break the story. <laughs> and it's just uh, I can't help yeah, but laugh I pretend at them. to break it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, yeah. And but yeah, are, and that's that's. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Forrest. Oh no, I was going to say. Uh, so what you get now is, uh, it's not. You know, you could have every news outlet 
run a story on it. And like I said before, mo- a lot of people out there are just, they're not going to care about it. So they're not going to hear the news. They're not going to be up on it. Uh, I think maybe that's part of the overall plan is that, uh, well, we have a little bit of information and that gets repeated over and over again. And you get tiny drips, drip drops of little bits of disclosure. So like the newest one that Scott was talking about uh, is uh, and one of the latest things I've heard. I, th- I think that came from uh, uh, a report uh, given to Jeremy Corbell from one of his sources is that, of course, now nuclear subs are, are picking up when we don't, there's no windows on them. They, they see totally by sonar and other uh, movement sensoring uh, technology on board, uh, really highly uh, advanced stuff. We can't even imagine that they're detecting these objects that are moving underwater uh, at impossible speed. So, and what I like about this is that, okay, that's a slightly different twist of course, it's a logical extension to what we see in the skies. And then we see them go underwater and then our imaginations stop. Like, is there a big base off of Catalina where these things go? And it's like, well, obviously, if they can move, if you're going to go along with that logic flow and they can move that fast in the skies, uh, what was it? Uh, 60,000 miles an hour uh, was Scott said to get back uh, to ping at the Princeton and then uh, arrive, uh, was it 30 miles away at the uh, their destination in 30 seconds or whatever. That's impossible. It's beyond what we can do. It's beyond the, it's beyond what we know, as Elizondo said, but what we know about physics. It's breaking the rules of physics as we know them, but obviously it's mm-hmm. happening. So there are physics involved with that. It's not magic. There's some physics that obviously we don't understand. But what I like about the USO angle here is that uh, now you're adding the element of water. And as we know, things can, as, as far as our technology can go, even if it's the, uh, uh, Scott will, will know this, the worm impeller on the uh, Red October. Oh, the caterpillar. Yeah. yeah. The caterpillar, caterpillar impeller. Yes. Yeah, so which a new yeah. technology. That's only going to go so fast. Things can only move so fast underwater because you're pushing water. Right. Uh, but these things are zipping around at unbelievable speeds and it's not our normal means of propulsion. So now it's being demonstrated under the water and that's being admitted. And then you start thinking like, well, how is that accomplished? Scott and I were talking about this before. And that's the James Cameron, uh, his movie, the abyss. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember when that came out, uh, there were, uh, there were USO theories then, of course, nobody paid much attention to them, but I was, it was probably part of the marketing of the movie was that there were uh, UFO theorists saying like, well, it, it, instead of an object that's solid, like a solid tic-tac pushing its way through water, and you, we know there are limitations with that, somehow uh, you are just incorporating, you are materializing with the water as it goes along. Yeah. So you, again, that's it's a molecular. Must, it's not traveling. It's molecular right. displacement on well, an right. atomic or subatomic You're, level. It's almost like the object is moving itself by um, by just appearing in the next place rather than yeah. traveling to the yeah. next place. Well, you think about, that makes me think about a wave in the ocean. Everybody thinks a wave is actually the water traveling from here and then going to here. But in reality, yeah. it's literally just a wave lifting the water as it goes along. So that same... Right you know, water molecule mm-hmm. could stay here. It's not necessarily yeah. moving all the time. Some do, some right. don't, but maybe that's what it is. It's just like you're saying, it's just like 
almost a teleportation where it just yeah, keeps yes, jumping exactly. forward with it. Like there was the, the scientist who said we actually can transport one atom to an, uh, another, um, another space on the planet thousands of miles away because all we're doing is making an atom here look exactly like the atom back here. And that's technically transporting it. So, we can't do that with humans because we would have to, you know, it would basically be rebuilding an entire human with atoms over here. Uh, but maybe they have some type of technology where they actually can keep rebuilding the atoms of their craft out of the atoms of the ocean. And so it's right. actually yeah. just oh, yeah. reforming yeah. the whole right. time. And and not exactly. be melded yeah. to it like the Philadelphia experiment <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. I heard you yeah. <laughs> See, I, I heard your guys' episode on that as well. And then uh like a lot of these stories, it's like, yeah, yeah, I want to hear these guys get to the bottom of this. And then it turns out, well, the main source on this, he's maybe not that credible. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> and then you're you're you're, you're, you're balloon deflates a little bit. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, well, yeah, it's well, like it's uh, like the in in that particular story, the the deeper you dig, the weirder it gets. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. we're we're just we're just finding more rabbit holes to go down. I was like, this is ridiculous. But <laughs> you know, I, I, it, when Adam brought up that whole the whole molecular thing, it made me think. When we uh, we we did a show on psychic ability, and you remember the Russians did this where. You know, they were talking about the, or at least the, uh, the psychic they were they were studying was talking about you know taking a a pill and actually getting it into the bottle without touching it, and the mm-hmm. idea that he describes is that you essentially are getting the molecules of the pill to meld with the bottle, so that it it's really just one thing. And it passes through because nothing is truly solid. Everything is just mm-hmm. constantly in motion. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just a way of getting those molecules to spread apart just enough to where they became one at one point, And then there you go, the pills inside the bottle. And it looks like yeah. a neat magic trick. But that was the explanation. And that was back in the 70s. So the yeah. idea of being able to change something's molecules, move it from one position to another and have it back intact as a physical object, you know, that at least the idea has been around a long time. Mm-hmm. So it, it is curious to think, is that what we're seeing with with these kind of crafts that move at, at speeds and, and at angles that we can't even fathom? Yeah. No, I Matt, found, you're right. That's a, oh, yeah, go ahead. You looking something up, Scott? Oh, I was just going to say, I found an article just today when I was trying to find that about that submarine site. And of course, this is the sun, but you know, it's, it's a lot like the men in black movie where they're like, where do we go for the news? We go to the inquirer and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever, because those suddenly those stories, some of those stories seem to have more credibility. But in the, in this article uh, from the sun, it said uh, in October, it was reported Russian submarines are fighting a secret war with alien mm. craft deep under the oceans, according to top secret Kremlin documents. 
In scenes straight out of a Hollywood movie, Soviet subs are playing a game of cat and mouse with strange underwater craft. According to a new book called Russia's USO Secrets by Brit investigator Philip Mantle, who we've mentioned on our show before, mm-hmm. based on Russian documents and accounts from military veterans. So there you have it. There's so that and oh, and the other thing, and this is something I've brought up before, a book that I read a long time ago called Above Black Project Preserve Destiny. Um which was published by uh, Dan Sherman in 1998. He talks about being on a base uh, similar to like a drone base where it's just out in the middle of nowhere. And he would have to go into a trailer and have the, uh, and receive these communications. And they were just numbers. And he said that they were coming from alien intelligence and he would write the numbers down. And when he went in, he had to go in, uh, like he was strip searched cavities, everything like totally every time he went in and then he would sit down like in a cubicle, and receive these messages almost uh, like a remote viewing thing. And, huh. and it would be numbers. And he's trying to figure out what they were. And the, and the book talks about that. But one of the other things that he talks about is a propulsion system based on um, destructive interference, which I always thought was fascinating because he, he, he actually brings up how like noise canceling headphones work. Or if you ever mm-hmm. remember in high school about the waves, you put the two waves, they beat each other and they cancel each other out. Yeah. Same thing with sound waves. And that there was something about this propulsion that related to that sort of wave cancellation. But he couldn't, he only had just little slices of this information. So he couldn't go further with it. But that was back in 98. I remember reading that book and thinking, I mean, it's just either the greatest ruse of all time. The other thing that this points out to is, um, yeah, and, you know, we're not particularly conspiratorial on Astonishing Legends, but conspiracies do happen. There's proof of them, obviously. Sure. Um, but this is this is in releasing this information, you are admitting to a cover up. There's been a cover up mm-hmm. for a long, long time. And now you're saying, nope, you know what? They're out there and we have proof of it. Yep. Now you're trying to convince us. You wouldn't believe us. And now you're trying to convince us with your um, FA 18 footage or whatever. So anyway, yeah, I digress. It makes you it makes you wonder. You were called a conspiracy theorist for so many years if you believed that there was something flying around our airspace that we couldn't identify. And people mm-hmm. would say, you're you're misidentifying seagulls. Uh, you know, that was just, a, um, you know, it was a, a, a fighter jet from the military base or whatever. So then now it comes out and now the conspiracy theorists were right. So what else are we going to find out within the next decade or couple decades that conspiracy theorists have talked about that's going to be right. And that, when you actually look at what some of the conspiracy theorists say, that worries the hell out of me of what uh, that they say might actually come out being correct. You know, we're living in that Mel, Mel Gibson movie uh, where he was. The, yeah. <laughs> I've never yeah. seen that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's a good one. I enjoyed yeah. that movie. Yeah, where conspiracy theory, I think is what it's called. Right. Mm-hmm. I think. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he's he on winds it, but, up uh, being. Right about everything that he thinks is happening, pretty much. Yeah, but well, you, you hear I mean, stuff. That's a movie, it's, you know, but. <laughs> yeah, it, but it depends. It depends on who you you talk to. And I uh, I remember back in the eighties because uh, uh, you know you guys were talking about uh, wave cancellation, and uh, you know, and this gets into so many ideas coming up in movies and documentaries. Uh, you know, things that are actual facts, like uh, nothing really touches, and that uh, electrons repel each other. So every Every atom is actually pushing against each other. So if you think about it on the molecular level, on the atomic level, nothing is really 
physically touching, and most yeah. of everything is is made up of nothing. Mm-hmm. Because the mass of, of uh, atomic particles, uh, neutrons, protons, electrons is actually very small, and those are being repelled. So basically, it's, everything's a lot of space. And then we go back to uh, one of my favorite episodes of The Sopranos, where Tony Soprano's in the hospital, and he's uh, in a bed next to a physicist, I believe. Uh, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Hal Holbrook or not, but basically he's explaining these bigger concepts that... Uh, you know, we are all composed of the same stardust, the same atoms, the same molecules in roughly the same proportions as they are found throughout the universe. So we, everything is everything. We just happen mm-hmm. to take these shapes. So when you guys are talking about moving through water, you're just, yeah, you're just materializing in a continuous stream as you go. And then that's the Star Trek transporter debate, whether uh, your atoms are decom. Uh, decomposed, uh, unhooked, beamed somewhere else, and then reassembled at that spot? Or are you just uh, reassembled from a set of uh, recipes right. and instructions on the other side from from materials they have? And then there's the question of, well, if you have a soul, what happens to that? Does that get beamed or, or that, does that astrally project to the new spot? Mm-hmm. How does that work? So there's a, there's a lot going on. But, uh, but getting back to my original point, I remember... Uh, there was a, he was a, 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 just a really great guy uh, named Egon and he was a uh, professional photographer and uh, portrait painter. That was a friend of my dad's that worked in advertising. Uh, and that's why I'm, my dad knew him. And this guy basically, you know, fought the Russians in the, he, he was from, uh, he was Hungarian and he'd, he'd fought in the revolution there and uh, escaped that, uh, escaped that war uh, made it to America, and then he just had this incredible life where he's meeting all these crazy people. He he had a, a portrait of JFK that he painted that's hanging in the White House. Or I, I don't know if it's still there, but just one of these big, larger-than-life people. But I remember him telling my dad, it's like, well, you know, they have, uh, they've got the cameras in space that can see a newspaper headline in a parking lot. And and it's like, what? You know, this is the 80s. And you're like, yeah, I guess that's that's right. But it wasn't big news then because this guy had talked to people high up in government and deep down in different places uh, that he would kind of hint about. He's like, well, I can't really tell you about that. But uh, but that's what they can do is that, yes, they can read a headline on a newspaper from space, you know, on a newspaper. And the other thing he said was they have a beam that can uh, basically be focused in its sound waves that can extinguish fire. And you think like, well, that's kind of cool. It's like, well, that would be great for for wildfires and forest fires. Like, yes, it would. But what else could it do? It could knock a missile out of the sky. Mm -hmm. You you zap it. You put the flame out. Thing falls. And he was telling this stuff in in the early 80s. I remember hearing it. And uh, and then you realize like, yeah, they do have satellites now that can read. They can see your face from space and uh, and can and can pick out a dime in your palm from space. So. All these things that people are saying, you know, they don't all have to be true, but, uh, you know, a few of them, if they are true, it's mind blowing. And, and that's the other thing uh, I think I heard Jesse Marcel Jr. So he's the the son, of course, of Jesse Marcel, who was the uh, public relations officer at Roswell, who first saw the down balloon. Jesse Marcel's his son, who actually played with the materials uh, that were in his possession uh, before they got scooped up. Uh, and of course, this is, you know, we get back to, you know, Scott was saying like, well, what do you. What do you think now? This is this is in your face, and people are still denying it. It's like yep. Jeremy Corbell's getting crap of like, 
Well, those those Navy pilots, they they just mistook what they saw. Like they don't really know how to that read is, their that instruments. That argument is so ridiculous to me. I find that so infuriating. It was, it's also insulting. No, it's insulting yeah. because he's uh, Corbell's also talked to electrical optical engineers from like Raytheon, the guys who yeah. make this stuff, and and yeah. then you have armchair experts. But the one I loved about the the flat the the triangle that's flashing, uh, that's that's a night vision. Infrared night vision, and of course the the argument is like, well, that's just reflections off the glass. It's like, okay, but what was the guy shooting in the first place? Just dead, just empty night sky. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It just it's ridiculous. Exactly. Like, okay, so what? Then it's it's obviously something else that's reflecting that light. Uh, that's getting uh, you know perhaps putting a reflection in the lens. But what was he taking a picture of to begin with? So stuff like that just didn't make any sense to me, but you're going to get those arguments. But uh, anyway, getting back to Jesse Marcel, I remember, I think he was on Jim Harold talking about, he was, uh, you know, knowing who he was, people had let him in on some secrets. And I remember this claim and I thought it was pretty wild that he said he, he went to the Capitol building and he went to a special elevator that, uh, you know, is behind a, maybe a fake wall. And he went down many levels and he gets out into this really nicely wood paneled, conference room uh he said obviously somebody spent a lot of money and nobody really knows uh, not many people know about this room down below these levels of the capitol building and he was told a bunch of ufo secrets uh and he said i firmly believe it it's like this guy's you know why would they do that so that i would go out and make myself look like a fool uh and he said i'm not telling you anything specific but i'm telling you they're real yeah and that was five six years ago so uh you know, and he's recently just passed away, but this guy's no slouch. He was a flight surgeon. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so he's a doctor. He's uh, he's not a, he's not a goofball, very smart guy. And he had a lot of connections and he's telling you this is happening. But again, uh, even this is the stuff is even the Pentagon's telling you this and people are still denying it because I think it's just it's too scary. It's it's too well, scary I mean, for a lot of people to realize. I also think, by the way, if you guys want to talk or something, just raise your hand. But I also (laughs) think that (laughs) we're like hijacking your show. Um, (laughs) Oh, that's what we're doing. I forgot. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. But I was going to say, I also think um, there, I mean, the one thing that if you came to me and said um, on the opposite side of the coin, this is a really sophisticated disinformation psyop thing that they're doing for some other reason. They're they faked all this footage, all these people, you know, that they're trying to do to to put other governments on their heels um, or make them defensive against an unknown enemy or something. I I could buy I could almost buy that, but it would be it would take a lot and it would take especially with all these people going on the news and these pilots and everything. People just aren't that good at actors. So that's the. You know, and that because that's the thing, you know, Force always makes fun of me. It's it's like some clip pops up on YouTube and he says the first thing I'll say is CGI, you know, but like these days it is. It's easy to fake stuff it, right. more Unless now than he's ever. Seen it. If he's yeah. seen it, then yeah. it's real. Yeah. If it's, well, yeah. Uh, if, if, if I see it, shot first, it it's uh, real. Right. Like the the, the uh, what was it? The the Phila uh, out in Pennsylvania at the cabin, you saw some strange lights in the sky. And I think yeah. you took some. Well, stuff that I've other. seen. No, in North Carolina, I saw. Oh, lights, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. About three years ago that I cannot explain, cannot explain. Um, but, you know, and I tried to film it with my iPhone, but the iPhone couldn't see anything. You know, it's way up yeah. in the sky, but yeah. 
it was like a group of stars uh, all traveling and turning. They were not flashing, whatever. You see stuff like that. Well, now um, every everything that people see that's like that is uh, Elon Musk and his dang Starlink. Sure. Yeah, well, this was uh, this deployment. was before those had, had I'm pretty sure this was before the first round of those had gone up. Um, but I'm not positive. It, it, it would be right on the cusp of that. But they changed course. Those don't change course. No, these things don't. changed course and they all followed each other. And they were fairly close together. And, and you um, brought up a good point, Scott. You said your iPhone would, had a hard time uh, getting it. Yeah. We have made the argument before as well. And I kind of have to go back on it a little bit now. But everybody will say, well, if these are in the skies all the time, why don't we have clear footage of it? You have a high powered camera in your pocket at all times. Okay, I want you to go out in your backyard at night and I want you to zoom in on the moon. Try to get a good picture of the moon at night with your phone. It doesn't work. Yeah, no. It it will be blurry, shaky, (laughs) uh, blown out, blown out something. So as good a camera as this is, it's not going to get that high quality picture you want for a ufo to prove that it's real just like no, you have to be hooked up to a telescope exactly That's the only way you like those okay. guys on reddit that take those amazing shots of the moon they yeah. got a camera with a telescope connected to it you'd have to have that sitting around and be ready to rock with it right. if you saw something and that's yes. not what people are carrying around. Right. No, but here's one instance that, that totally fascinates me because, it, it again, there's there's more to this than nuts and bolts. Getting back to the, the original uh, start of the conversation, you know, we're, we're kind of uh, dancing around the idea of the Drake equation where it's like, well, if you, you know, if there's aliens and let's say they can travel at the speed of light. Well, nothing can travel faster than the speed of light because Einstein proved that. Uh, you basically turn into light. Nothing can travel faster than photons. So how long would it take them? And then there's the idea that generation that's shifts. Still, like, that's actually a theory. I don't think that's proved. And also, I think recently they de- they have determined that you can go faster than the speed of light. I yeah, read something well, that's, about that's, that just a few weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, but but when Drake yeah. was around and also uh, yes. when, when you and I covered the Fermi paradox. Yes. This, these are the things I love is that we're still thinking inside the box because that's where we're most comfortable mm-hmm. with. And I get that because... We know how the equations work inside the box, but you have to think outside the box when it comes to this stuff because it doesn't it doesn't make sense what's happening. When you think of uh, high straight, what I'm saying is that there's an element of high strangeness that we don't understand that's uh, tied to all this that you can't calculate. You you can't put that into an equation and figure that out. And so what I'm what I'm leading up to is that when you talk about well. Uh, yeah, you need a telescope. There is one instance, and I saw this guy. He's, I can't remember. Uh, uh, I think it was a do- kind of a, a documentary done about just various UFO cases, and it was a guy I think off the coast of Florida, and he's a semi-professional photographer. So he's a hobbyist, but he, he sells his photos. He's got a, a bunch of uh, cool equipment, and one of them is that he likes to sit on his deck and take. Uh, photos of uh, of the of the night sky and uses a telescope, and he's got, of course, a, a DSLR, a high def camera, hooked up to it. So he's totally prepared. And then guess what happens? He sees this shining silver orb floating off the ocean, and uh, he can see it with his eyes. And he, and uh, it's just kind of uh, you know dancing around. And he gets out his camera and he had his he has it ready to go. And so he takes a tele a telescopic photo of this thing with a high def camera. And when he looks at it, 
here's the kicker. It looks exactly the same as as if it did when he was looking at it with his naked eye. Oh, wow. And he's like, that doesn't make any sense. I'm I'm zoomed in way, you know, way close on it, but it's still amorphous and kind of out of focus. And it looks exactly the same. It's just bigger in my lens. Mm-hmm. It's clear that it had a cloaking device. Exactly. <laughs> well, there's hey, there's a lot there's a lot of cases uh, uh, with that. A, a guy who was in the military talking about being stationed on a uh, uh, you know an island, uh, one of the small islands I think in the Marshall Islands, and he and and some other officers. It was like the sun was coming up, and they they turned to look at the, at the horizon where the sun was, and suddenly this giant mothership craft appears like just fades into view and they're like, what the, the? and it's just massive and black and it just kind of hangs there. And then as uh, the sun kind of comes up and maybe it has something to do with the refraction of the sun, the sun's rays, it just, it just faded out, but they all looked at each other. It's like that, that happened, right? Like, yeah, yeah. We yep. saw that thing it was the size of a football field hanging over the Island and it just yeah. disappeared. So and it's like the ones the size of aircraft carriers. And then there's like when and when you look at the um sorry Adam, but when you look at the tic tac, <laughs> when you look at that stuff, Dang it. that stuff does seem like a drone. It seems like it almost seems like it has a personality, like yeah. an autonomous little like the little black mm-hmm. robot on the Death Star. It's kind of just doing its thing, playing with the airplanes. It doesn't even seem like there's something behind it. It's like it was it's like it was programmed to go out and do what it does and have fun too while it's doing it. Well, it, kind it of. checked. It checked. But that's out. different. Yeah. Wait, let me finish. But yeah. that's different mm-hmm. from like the Phoenix Triangle or the right. craft that. Uh, and I don't know if you guys heard it, but we had a, a gentleman on our show, Terry Lovelace, who was taken aboard something and uh, all kinds of horrific, crazy stories. And that was like a triangle that changed direction. There's the triangles. Yeah. They don't feel like these other things that are zipping around really fast. Uh, but you know, that's, it's, there do seem to be different classes of craft coming from different places. And to Forrest point, that thing about where it's revealed, what, uh, what was that movie Forrest with, uh, that you told me to watch and I, where there Mm. was like the whole hidden world, it was here all along. And at the end, the person goes, Oh yeah. Uh, you got midnight special. Uh, yeah. Great independent film. Like you guys would love it if you haven't, if you haven't seen it, it's a, it's an independent film, but very well done. Uh, great actors. Michael Shannon, who I love, uh, plays the father. Uh, I'm trying to think of the uh, who the who's played by the the, the boy or the son. But uh, it's yeah, it's just it's just well done. And it, it kind of leads to a bigger idea that uh, they're not getting in a giant Battlestar Galactica craft and traveling for 25 generations to get here. Maybe they're, they're just on another frequency. Yeah, they're they're yeah, just yeah. slightly out of tune and we can't see them. But sometimes some people have that special radio dial and they can they can kind of tune in a little bit. And, and that, that makes way more sense to me. And that's all yeah. that's always been one of my one of my favorite theories to go back to, whether we're talking about, you know, UFOs or anything like that, um, is that that multiverse theory that we're not necessarily seeing visitors to this planet we're seeing visitors from you know another universe that's right on top of ours and they may be a hundred thousand years further along than where we are now and there's just some bleed over there and that's what we're actually seeing Mm -hmm. i mean you know Mm -hmm. adam and i we're similar on this idea that Bigfoot would be something along those lines. 
that it's yeah. some something that can cross over and people are catching glimpses of it but it's not of this this dimension or this universe it's from yeah. one that's just laying right on top of ours or multiple ones that are just folded in and and there's even ones that you know we're talking about civilizations that would be far less advanced than us and people are seeing and when we we did a show on time travel where uh, a couple is coming going on vacation traveling from england through france and they they pull off the highway and they find this little town and stay in a essentially a bed and breakfast with all these people and they're like well look at you know everybody is dressed up in this you know era the you know clothing from you know 100 years ago well how unique and then they 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 stay and they they eat and they ask a policeman they said how do we get back to the highway and he's like what is a highway <laughs> and when they yep. tried to go back after their trip they couldn't find the place didn't they try to pay with a credit card too and they're like we yeah. don't know what that is yeah we i didn't know what it was um you know the money looked different wow, that's and yeah you know you you start thinking uh, okay you know is that a is that a time slip or or something or or is it you just you bleed into another part of the, uh, another universe and and you're seeing events you're you're interacting with events that are happening at the exact same time just not in the the universe you're in and and yeah and maybe and maybe that's triggered by some kind of natural entropy. Mm -hmm. It's not technology. Maybe it's just like, you know, it has to do with how, you know, you spill a liquid on a surface and how it moves across the surface or how um, an amoeba encompasses something and soaks it up. Or like, because if you have the, if you have the bubble theory of the multiverses and all of that, then it stands to reason that sometimes from an entropy standpoint, there things might just leak over well, it's uh, like due to maybe... Yeah, it's yeah. a stack of pancakes and you shove a skewer through it. You're going to get some of the top pancake into the pancake below it. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like bleeding That's a great through. Metaphor. And maybe all of the things that we consider paranormal, ghost, UFOs, Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, everything can be explained with this theory that none of it is here. But we're all right. we're seeing these glimpses of other universes because of that bleed over, because of that skewer through the stack of pancakes. And we are all in a giant stack of pancakes <laughs> in that Denny's. Exactly. In the exactly. We're and now I, I like it. And now I want pancakes. Yeah. Thank you. I'm starving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this right. Sounds dinner amazing. time. Yeah. Yeah. As, you guys as a little later as than I'm me, not, As long as I'm not getting the I'm a, on the part that's getting covered in syrup, I'm okay. Yeah, <laughs> don't get me don't sticky. Get sticky. That's true. <laughs> <You know? laughs> On the side, hanging out with the with the sausage links. But that yeah. uh, that's a uh, thing, though. Like, and what? Yeah. Here's another thing. Think about, uh, and this is a little bit of a missing four one one idea. But like, what happens when you stumble into one of those things and don't make it back? Right. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is, is I mean, what's, that what's the, interesting? Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Ed. Uh, just is that the reason for missing four one one? That all these people yeah. have found that accidental wormhole and. They just went and now they're they're still alive, but they're over in Dimension X and they can't figure out how to get back. Well, yeah. and the other and then the thing then it begs the question, do you even realize that that's happened? Like, it, it, could you stumble into another one that's almost like this one or that's so similar 
you can't figure out what has changed yeah. or that you even went anywhere, but just that you can't find any of your family or familiar things or whatever right. town you came from anymore, at which point you get locked up. Maybe you know, that's maybe the, the, uh, the cause of amnesia. You know, people yeah. that have amnesia, they accidentally stumbled over here from another universe yeah. and nothing makes sense to them. They don't remember any of it, not because they had amnesia or something, but because it's totally different than where they came from and it just doesn't right. make sense to them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. This I, is good I always go right back here. to that, uh, uh, the story from the little girl. I could never find it. It'd have, it would probably take about an hour of internet research, but you know, here's a girl who's seven, eight, nine years old. Uh, she's just out playing. And this is, this would have been, uh, I think just after the turn of the last century. So, uh, or just before, and she goes missing. The whole town is looking for her in the woods. Uh, I believe this is somewhere in Europe. And she pops back in uh, three days later in her bed, but her all of her clothes are dirty. And, you know, they say, where were you? She's like, well, I was around here and I could see everybody and I could hear them yelling for me, but you guys couldn't see or hear me. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I couldn't touch anybody. It's just like you guys, but you were there. I saw you looking Carol for Ann. Yeah. 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 There was, <laughs> through there, the TV. There was another missing 411, very similar, where a lady was on a hike and she got separated from her group and found, found them, but they couldn't hear her. She's like, I was yeah. screaming and nobody, it was like nobody even registered that I was there. Couldn't see her. Mm-hmm. Yeah couldn't hear her and then all of a sudden she's back right yeah now the the, the one the anecdotes i love the best about missing 411 it, uh better than the few uh, docs i've seen uh are your guys's uh your episode on it where you you told about the anecdotes and i retell this one a lot because it, this is all i can do or all i guess all of us can do is find patterns and connections with the anecdotes and if they are accurate if the people are to be believed, then you can glean a little bit of informa- information about what's really happening. And so the, your episode on the missing 411, there's a few crazy stories that have stuck with me. One is the, I believe you got it off Reddit. So, but it was a grad student guy who was talking about, he was on a hike with his girlfriend. And I, I tell the story of, uh, of, have a few times on the show. And he, uh, in fact, I think I just recently told it on our uh, Phantom Horse of Greensboro episode but the story goes, he's on a hike with his uh, girlfriend or fiance. And it's always happens the same way. Or usually he gets around the bend. He's a little ahead of her, I believe, or no, she's ahead of him. So he's kind of behind him with, by himself. There's no one else out really hiking at all. She takes the, the bend on the trail, goes around some trees and he gets this really bad feeling that he's being watched, that something's stalking him. And he turns around I don't think he sees anything. And so he's picking up his pace. He's still be girlfriends still can't see him and he's walking. And then suddenly he's like, this thing's about to, and he turns around and there's a middle-aged woman on the trail behind him. And this, this is the part that kills me because this was kind of the same thing in the Phantom Horse of Greensboro. He says she was walking, but moving a lot faster than her legs should have been carrying mm-hmm. her. Yeah, like on a uh, escalator at the uh, airport where the the ground (laughs) is actually moving. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, it just, it bowled him away. And it was like, uh, you know, it's just nondescript uh, middle-aged woman who's uh, 
uh, you know, wearing a sweatshirt and just regular pants. Uh, I, I think he even described the colors. But she's, yeah, she's just slowly walking, but moving very fast towards him. And she stops when he turns around and she's shocked. Like she looks startled, like you're mm-hmm. not supposed to see me. And I'm supposed to get to you before you have a chance to do whatever. And I think that if that story is true, that may be how a lot of these things happen is that there's uh, there is a bad element to this. There is something taking people. Uh, The other story that I like that is told in one of uh, uh, David uh, blanking on his last name. Um, Ladies. David Pletus, yes. He, so he has a YouTube channel, and he he does, a, I think, a weekly show. Mm-hmm. And he talks about these regional cases, and they will blow your mind, just the connections of the dates, the times, the the distances. Uh, one he talks about, and I can relate to this because I've worked on a lot of different shoots, is that a uh, production assistant on a reality TV show that they were shooting, I think somewhere in uh, mid-Idaho, in central Idaho, uh, it's kind of on a plateau. There was a, a, a hill that goes down to the water. Where was there a, a creek or a river there? But it's a production. There's a hundred people there and he's on walkie and his job is to be off camera. So he's uh, maybe, you know, 20, 30 yards away. And uh, he, he's not real close, but they're, they're doing some sh- shooting going on. And I can't believe it. it's one of those outdoorsman uh, type reality series. And suddenly this guy freaks out and he just starts screaming at the top of his lungs and he's on the walkie. You know, we all wear the walkie headsets and and, uh, the production crew can talk to each other on different channels. And he's just freaking out and he's waving his arms at something in the air and he just takes off screaming his head off like something is about to kill him, like there's a grizzly behind him. And Hmm. he runs down the bank. Uh, out of sight to the people. And they go like, whoa, 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 cut, cut. Like, what, what's wrong with them? They, they go tearing after him. And they're not that far away. He runs down the hill screaming. They get down there. He's gone. And it's like, where did he go? This this river's not moving that fast. Like, we would have heard him jump in. We would have heard him splash. He just got out of sight, disappeared. But he thought, obviously, something was trying to kill him or something was after him that mm-hmm. scared the living daylights out of him. So there's that weird element. Uh, that is weird. That, I think I think some people fade in and out. There's all different things kind of happening here. I don't think it's one one thing we can point to, but sometimes I think there's something that are, uh, is absconding with people, and then sometimes bringing them back, always not alive. Well, you said, and then and oh, sorry, uh, Adam, and then the, the then alive. the pooping boy with the with the grandmother. Oh yeah, yeah, with the, the, with, the with the mechanical grandmother. Yeah, yes. that one always oh, sticks yeah. in my head. The the pooping yeah. robot thing. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's some that you're like, I almost can't believe. You want to believe, but you almost can't believe them. Uh, Sam the Sandown Clown. Yep, yep. That's another one. I remember y'all's episode on that. That was that was a weird one. Yeah, that just. I don't know. That one kind of gave me the the willies hearing about that. But you said some people, and that made me think, y'all probably have heard this too, that a lot of UFO abductees, they can trace back to their parents or their grandparents having abduction events, or their kids will say they have had abduction events. And it's the same with ghost encounters and stuff like that. If 
your parents or grandparents saw ghosts all the time or or had interactions with ghosts, you're more likely to have those interactions. So does that suggest that there's something genetic to the paranormal where if you have a certain set of genes or, or you know, uh, something in you is a certain way that you're more apt to see into another dimension. You're more apt to be visited by aliens or ghosts. And does that say that it's less paranormal, more multiverse? More, biological. Yeah. Yeah. More biological. Yeah. And, and <laughs> metachlorians. Yeah. yeah. We're talking about the, the, the talking about the force. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, it could be. Yeah, it definitely could be an element. I think. I look. I I think that we'd like to uh, we'd like to know that there's one single element or force that's going on, because we're more able to wrap our heads around that and then think about it and analyze it. And then mm-hmm. once we don't, uh, we can analyze it and maybe understand a little. We're not so afraid of it. Uh, fear is the it's the unknown and it's like when there's a bunch of stuff going on and it's all interrelated well then we have no control over it and then we don't even know how to begin to think about it and that's the scariest proposition yeah right yeah all right matt so let's take a second and talk about one of our longtime sponsors amc shutter now, Shudder is the streaming service with the best selection of horror, thriller, and supernatural movies, series, and originals. From Hollywood favorites and cult classics to original series and critically acclaimed new genre films that you won't find anywhere else. They're streaming uncut and commercial-free right to your favorite devi- devices. But first, new this month are genre-bending, mind-melting exclusives like the trippy Fried Berry, Retro Horror Comedy, PG, Psycho Gorman, and The Reckoning, and the latest from modern horror master Neil Marshall, director of The Descent, Dog Soldiers, and episodes of Game of Thrones. Shudder also recently announced its Summer of Chills lineup, featuring a new exclusive movie premiere every week, including horror master George Romero's Lost, The Amusement Park, Found and restored in 4K after being unseen for nearly 40 years. Slasher comedy Vicious Fun about a horror movie critic who stumbles into a support group for serial killers. That should be fun. Featuring Anchorman's David Ketchner and anything from Jackson star Julian Richings among the killer cast. Now, some of the notable titles that they've got right now is Creepshow Season 2, Season 3 coming later in 2021. The Wicker Man from 1973, Fried Berry, like we talked about, Caveat, and The Amusement Park, like we mentioned. So they've got a lot of stuff right now that you can go check out. Yeah, and you can stream great thrillers, horror, and suspense for only $5.99 a month or $56.99 a year. Shudder has the largest, fastest-growing, human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment. It really is the Netflix of horror. Oh, yeah. And you can you can stream it on just about any device you've got. iPhone, iPad, Apple TV, Xbox One, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and, of course, any Android device. 
um, you can you can stream it right from there. And uh, honestly, Shutter is one of the best streaming values out there. Oh yeah. If you are a horror fan and you don't have a Shutter subscription, where have you been? Because having a being a horror fan and having a Shutter subscription, they go hand in hand. You're you're getting you're getting classic horror. You're getting original content. You're getting fantastic shows for only five ninety nine a month. Right, Matt. What I used to do is. I've been a B-horror movie fan for a long time, and oh, yeah. there used to be this family movie rental place just up the road from me um, when I first moved to Tennessee, and they had a whole section that was B-horror movies, and I loved it. So every week, I'd go in there, and I'd rent some movies and buy some from them occasionally, but I mean, you were talking five ninety nine a movie, you know, and, and that was cheap if you were getting some of these B-horror movies. So for five ninety nine a month, you can watch all of these B horror movies that I used to watch and love, and some major titles for what I would buy one used B horror movie for back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, um, you know Amanda and I love the Discovery of Witches series. It's fantastic if you like vampires and witches. You're gonna you're gonna love it. It it's well done, based on the series of novels by Deborah Harkness. Uh, it it was what uh, it was what got Amanda and I hooked on Shutter, and we never regretted it. So you can get started streaming the best horror, thriller, and supernatural content. Shutter's expertly created collection includes must see titles like Color Out of Space, Host, The Mortuary Collection, plus all the best horror documentaries and the hit Creepshow TV series from executive producer Greg Nicotero of The Walking Dead. To try Shudder for free for 30 days, go to Shudder.com, that's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com, and use our promo code GRAVE, that's G-R-A-V-E. That's right, you can try Shudder free for 30 days. All you got to do is go to Shudder.com, S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com, and use our promo code GRAVE. That's G-R-A-V-E. And But I like that idea, though, Adam, you know, partially because of the way I grew up. You know, my entire family had experiences in our house and you know to this day my parents still have uh experiences but so do so do i and so does my sister and it it, every house i've lived in there has been something that's happened it may be subtle um like for example in, in in our house now um you'll smell cigarette smoke and we don't smoke and you'll smell it and and we started noticing that shortly after amanda's grandfather passed away and he was a heavy smoker and Mm -hmm. she says all the time you know when you smell that she goes i just feel like that's him checking in you know it's just it reminds her of him but and and it would be one thing if if she smelled it and then said something to me 
But I I had noticed it for a long time to where I brought it up. I said, do you ever just randomly smell cigarette smoke in the house? <laughs> He's yelling at his like, kids thinking they're smoking <laughs> cigarettes all the time. Yeah. But my sister lives in East Tennessee and she has she has her own business and the house that has her business in it, it it's an older home that was you know converted to uh business property but there's stuff that happens there and, and so it, it's kind of this idea of it it wasn't our house necessarily it was us mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. a, another family in that house may not have the same experiences that we did Right. You know, then some people might say, well, that means y'all are all nuts. But (laughs) but, (laughs) I'm like, well, if if you, I I have confirmed the things that I have experienced with other people who have also experienced the same thing in in different houses. And even, even my sister has experienced things at her business that other employees have experienced as well. So there might be something to it, whether you want to say, okay, there's, you know, you may have a predisposition to be sensitive to these type of things. You know, you, you, you might have whatever it is that tunes you in to be able to see or feel a presence. It's hard to say, but, you know, Adam and I, and I know Scott and Forrest, you both have talked to plenty of people that have had these type of experiences and you're just like, there's something about them. You just, yeah, they're, they're, they're unique in a, in a way that you're just like, uh, either you, you wish you had it so that you could experience more or you, you just begin to think I'm having this conversation with someone that seems totally outlandish, but this person is a hundred percent normal. They seem on the level that you want to believe it. You just, whether it's, you know, somebody telling you they got abducted by a UFO, somebody telling you they saw a ghost or that they, you know, drove into a little town that they could never find again. And mm-hmm. you just look at them and you go, you're, you're not a wag job. You're, you're a regular person and you've had some experience that you cannot explain. Well, it's like, hey, I, you, I, I, I believe any experience you tell me that you've had simply because we know each other so well and all that, but also you and I have shared a couple paranormal experiences. We went to the Thomas house hotel, uh, on a ghost investigation with the, what was their name? The, the Tennessee Wraith chasers. That's it. The Tennessee Wraith oh, we, chasers. Yeah. We know those guys. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, the Thomas House Hotel was the very first episode that we ever did on Graveyard Tales. It was episode one. It, audio quality was crap, and it just, you know. But anyway, um, we went there as an investigation, and we, our group had an SLS camera. And there was a, supposedly the spirit of a little girl named Sarah, I think, mm-hmm. that lived there. And she frequented this hallway. So we set up the SLS camera at the end of the hallway and had people stationed along the hallway. And we're asking questions. We're talking. And all of a sudden, a little four foot figure pops up on the SLS camera. And it's not 
any of us. You know, you can see everybody around, then you look in the thing and you see their silhouettes and another little four foot silhouette standing in between everybody. So we're like, okay, can you raise your hand? Raise your right hand so we know that that's you. The hand in the screen goes up. So we said, okay, can you do that with your leg? The leg goes up. Well, Matt walked over and sat in a chair across the hallway from this figure. And I, I remember I said, can you reach out and touch Matt? So Matt hand puts his hand out and the hand in the thing reaches out to him. It never made full contact with him. But then there's a shot of his, you know, his body and then the stick figure reaching toward each other so if he'd have just told me that being matt i would have believed him but anybody else i would have said okay come on now but we experienced it Mm -hmm. together i was there Mm -hmm. i saw the equipment you know i saw it pop up and i saw it when it disappeared and we couldn't recreate it and that was probably the coolest sls experience i've had so yeah you know matt has recorded um, I think they recorded they, they it. Did, the Wraith yeah. Chasers uh-huh. recorded yeah. it, but we don't have that recording, but it is out there somewhere. Yeah. And it, so wow. an interesting aside to that is I I had the opportunity to to have a one on one conversation with the owner of the Thomas House um about four or five months ago. And He's a really interesting guy. You know, his family bought the hotel and turned it into what it is today. Uh, He said, he said, you know, he said, I don't get into all this stuff. He said, but we've experienced so much in this hotel. He said, that's why he said, I, I have to live here. He said, that, "No, he said these yeah. ghost adventures that come up here, these ghost weekends that they do. He said it's fantastic because it it's kept the hotel going. But he said I I cook the meal and then I go to my room. <laughs> he said because I don't really need anything that just decides. Oh, you, the these clowns pissed me off, and he's like, they all get to go home, and I have to deal with the fallout. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So I mean, he That's, he's uh, really he's really had some interesting experiences up there, you know, with with that being his home as well as a hotel. It's uh, seven hours from me. I can drive to it in a day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh hey, yeah. It's if not, you can, it, it's not incredibly far. No, and if yeah. you can, if you can get in on one of the weekends that they do a ghost hunt it's worth it because it is not only architecturally cool and old but you know we had several experiences that night there's uh, one of the old owners or somebody um that used to live there that passed away he's known as the whistler because you'll hear him whistling through the hallways matt and i both heard it amanda heard it his his wife heard it so it's like I know there's activity there because I've experienced activity there. There's some other places that we've researched and and covered on the show that there's a lot of personal experiences from people, but since I've not experienced them, I don't have as deep a belief in it. Like I want to believe these people and I give them the benefit of the doubt, but I don't have personal experience. So I can't say that. Yep. I know for a fact something is happening there. And 
that actually brings up something else I wanted to ask you guys was how has your belief or thoughts of the paranormal changed since you started Astonishing Legends? Because I know for Matt and I, ours have changed maybe not super dramatically, but it's one of those things where you, you get into it and you think, I know what's going on. I have a good handle of what's going on. You learn a little more and you go, I don't know anything. Yeah. I'm stupid and I can't figure this out. Hey, Adam, <laughs> you know? I, wanted, yeah. I wanted to throw this in before Scott and Forrest answer. Um, the, you know, the Thomas House is in Red Bulling Springs, Tennessee. What what it's amazing mm. about Red Bulling Springs is, if you believe the stories, the hotel that's across the street is actually more haunted than that one. That's true, yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> Two haunted hotels that you could you you could literally throw a rock from one and get yeah. in the yard of the other one. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Wow. Well, well, why not? It's like everything on uh, we were just talking about Archer Avenue in Chicago along the uh the 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 you know, the spooky triangle there. Uh where Resurrection Mary is seen. So there's three major cemeteries. So you have Resurrection uh uh cemetery and I can't remember the other two. One of my favorite ghost photos ever was taken in the uh, the cemetery that's adjacent to that. But all along that street, most of the bars and establishments are haunted. And the, the one mm-hmm. Irish bar, it's across the street. And of course, if you believe the old tales that uh, the, the mobsters, the Chicago mobsters in the 20s were uh, had tunnels and they were running booze and women and money and contraband and they're, they're, you know people who got bumped off through these tunnels and they all connected and popped up in these different establishments to keep them one step ahead Including of the law. Including one, one was inside a mausoleum. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's Ozark. Yeah. That's, yeah. In, this, yeah. in the series. Why not? It, you, you get creative. So there's all these connections. Why not have a hotel that's across the street that's uh, uh, just as, just as crazy. And uh you know, before I before I get into my what, what's changed about me, and you've heard us talk about this uh, uh, quite a bit. And certainly, Scott's had a very uh, profound one, uh, and so we'll let uh, let him go next here. But for me, I think it's it's ideas, and and what Adam said is when you start really looking into this rationally as best you can and logically, and you, you start taking anecdotes, and not they not every one of them is going to be factual, of course. Uh, but I, it's impossible for me to believe that they're all baloney, that everybody's mm-hmm. making this up, or everybody was just mistaken. Uh, I was, <laughs> I was just thinking, I was reading some of the comments of uh, on Reddit where we get our uh, uh, choicest uh, critiques and uh, the most pointed sure. ones, uh, and uh, somebody's talking about uh, Frederick Valentich, and it's like, well, you know, these guys used to be very uh, level-headed, and they used to be. Uh, very objective, and now you're just getting all these crazy, outlandish theories, and they're and they're glossing over the, uh, you know, the, the more logical theories. They're just glossing over those, and they don't give them any time, and and they're just leaping to their uh, crazy conclusions, uh, paraphrasing, of course. Uh, and I thought, like, well, did we do that in Frederick Valentich, where he he was on the radio, and as he's on the radio, flying uh, uh, across the strait there to King Island, off, uh, you know, leaving uh, Melbourne. Australia just as Tasmania. Yeah. Towards Tasmania. And uh, one of the, the big uh, skeptical, I guess, or debunking theories is that he's flying upside down and then saw, uh, saw Venus in the reflection of the ocean and thought that was the sky. 
And I just like that. That's the most preposterous thing ever. It just that makes little green men makes a lot more sense than <laughs> than uh, he's flying upside down and just doesn't realize this on a right. sunny, cloudless day with plenty of sunshine left and, uh, and, you know, and a semi experienced pilot. So uh, but that's the best you got. Uh, and even in the report, uh, you know, we mentioned the the equivalent to the Australian uh, Aviation Authority's report. UFO interference is number one of the four of their of their possible mm-hmm. outcomes of this disappearance, and so we we mentioned that anyway. It just what I'm what I'm saying is I think we tend to look more towards uh, anecdotes that we've put together some information from and maybe make some connections and some logic. And in that regard, I, I'm getting back to what Matt was saying about. Uh, Interdimensional Bigfoot. I, I think, you know, when I was a kid, you, I saw the PGF and the, uh, uh, was it the American International Classics uh, family films and the documentaries there. And, and uh, yeah, it's got to be some unknown giant human ape-like thing. I mean, it's a really smart ape, but it's just an ape and he's out in the woods. And, and there's certainly the, the Woodland Ape Conservancy, I think, believe, believe that. It's just an unknown species. It's totally possible, but there's nothing... Uh, paranormal so much about it. There's nothing supernatural about it. And then uh, I probably believe that or didn't give it much thought until we covered it. And this is usually what happens. And, and you know, you, I, I thought like, well, the PGF is probably real. I don't, I don't know. And then we you have to tell people to look what, at the P, it. what PGF stands for. Oh, sorry. The Patterson Gimlin <laughs> film. Okay. Uh, with uh, Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin, who were the, uh, the, the, the two ranch hands who went out to, I try and film a Bigfoot, and they got the best piece of evidence ever, I think. Yep. And Agreed. So, yeah. So uh, so before this happened, I just thought like, okay, well, yeah, it's just, and here's, you know, you get all the same arguments. Like, well, why have they never found a carcass? Why don't they find any Bigfoot scat or hair? It's like, well, hunters will tell you. Bob Gimlin, who's a hunter, will tell you. It's rare that you come across a large predator in the woods uh, that has, hasn't been scavenged and is there for evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, that's rare. Um, so it's not unlikely. But then you start hearing all these reports of people uh, who were bona fide, if, if you want to uh, call them that, Bigfoot investigators and researchers. And they say, yeah, we were following these Bigfoot tracks in the snow and they just stopped. And it's fresh snow. Uh, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Our tracks were still there from the night before. Where did this thing go? Uh, and then you hear it from Bob Gimlin, who, you know, again, it's what, what you guys talked about. You, you just salt of the earth guy. Uh, no artifice there that we sensed at all. There's no reason for him to, to do this. People don't make a, a, a million dollars doing this. Certainly Roger Patterson didn't. And you, you tend to believe him as you would anybody, any relative of yours. And, uh, and yeah, you could say, well, maybe he was mistaken, but not in this case. And then he's describing, you know, after they filmed Patty, uh, you know, and Bob's a tracker. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's done this for a living. He follows Patty's tracks and they, they, he said the last one he found was on this boulder and she had just crossed the Creek. Remember? So it's a half of a wet footprint on this boulder and then nothing. And then he said, there's thick brush right beyond that. And he said, I, this thing was huge. I don't know how it couldn't have cleared its own path through the brush. Right. And that it just, I did, I, the track stopped there. I couldn't track any further. So I couldn't get through the brush myself. Where did this thing go? 
And then you hear that, it's like, well, that's interesting. So it, it halfway as it steps on this rock with a wet foot, disappears, vanishes, right. and leaves half a footprint. And then you start hearing the same story from all the, uh, uh, Paul Sinclair, who's in England, who's a, a paranormal researcher in the, in the north of England, uh, has all kinds of stories about, uh, uh, from people about things running alongside them in the woods. Uh, something huge, something that's half, perhaps wolf, half man. And they go back and look at it later. It's like, well, this thing must have been, it looked like it was seven or eight feet tall. And it's th- thick brush. Like, what was it running through? It's like, the, I, we, we can't walk through this stuff without a machete. How did it do this? And so that's one aspect, I think, is that my, my understanding and things that I put on the table to, to reach an understanding has greatly expanded. And that I consider a lot more than I used to because partly I didn't know about it. Right. I hadn't heard the anecdotes. I hadn't heard the stories. There's no research papers because nobody's going to take this seriously. There's a few uh, people that do study this stuff. Uh, Dr. Jeffrey Meldrum, uh, University of Idaho, I believe, uh, takes uh, anthropology and Bigfoot studies seriously. Uh, but it's it's very rare. So it's like all we have are these little anecdotes. And so now that's how my attitude has changed. I know a lot more about uh, things that I've kind of remembered and put together and connections and patterns and that's what we humans do. We make we we create patterns and we make connections because it's it's kept us alive uh, since our uh, caveman robot grandma pooping days. <laughs> Which I don't know if Scott knows that it's the it's one of those cases where a little kid goes missing. He comes back with his story, and it's like you made that up. I just I just, I just it's so <laughs> weird and fantastical. Yeah. Uh, but here's again talking about connections that I've made since then. In the little boy's description, and I, fellas, was this like 1890s, maybe, when this happened? Um, yeah, it was like, like late 1800s, early 1900s. So it was before right. somebody really should have, like they had those wind-up robot things, but they didn't have right. the type of robots that we understand now. Right. Right. It's, it's so if you take this little boy's account serious, uh, seriously and accurately, or at least some things are accurate... Uh, he goes missing. Uh, he he comes back. He describes uh, his his abduction of sorts or his stay with these uh, these weird creatures. And it was this being that was he could tell it was supposed to be his grandmother, but he knew it wasn't. It was something that's like, I'm your grandma. It's like, nah, no, you're not. Nah, no, but no. Yes, I am. Just pretend I am. And it wants him to poop on this <laughs> this mat. And you're like. That's a weird thing for a small young boy. To, I'd be embarrassed as a little kid to admit that. Why is he mentioning right. that? Certainly could be part of his vivid imagination. But is she taking a stool sample? And then he describes, uh, so that's one aspect of it. It's like people seeing their doppelgangers uh, or other people seeing doppelgangers or seeing entities or feeling spirits that are supposed to be something they know, but they know it's not. They just feel down in their gut like, this isn't right. This is, I know you're trying. you're trying to be, uh, my past relative, uh, and you want to be that, I can tell that, but you're not, yeah, it's ain't ringing true. Uh, that's one strange aspect I I have come to learn about. Uh, then the other thing that the boy describes are that in this cave area where he was at were all these machines. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that he said we're like people, and it's like he's describing robots. Yep. But he didn't yep. have the vocabulary for it. 
So it's just it's stuff like that where you, you start to make these, these connections that I never considered before. Anyway, that's a, a long, very long-winded way of me saying that's how uh, my attitudes have changed. And I've, I've started to think more cosmically and metaphysically about these things rather than just nuts and bolts and concrete stuff you can see and touch. Yep. That's basically for me, too. That's kind of the way um, I've changed is I I... I at one point in my life thought very cynically about stuff. And now I have a big issue with cynics who they claim to be skeptics, but there's a big difference to me between a cynic and a skeptic. A skeptic is open-minded and willing to believe something if proven to them that, Hey, no, this is, you know, this wasn't these rational Occam's razor type things. This was, something totally different. A cynic is going to, no matter what you put forward to them, they're going to say, no, you're wrong because it doesn't make sense to me. You know, right. it, it's, it can't be that because that doesn't fit our paradigm. So I'm unwilling to accept that as something that happened to you. You saw a seagull flying through the air with its wings tucked down beside it. And it just looked like it was going 60,000 miles an hour. Because you were drunk and flying this airplane and upside down. And, you know, like it's the low-hanging fruit thing. They hit that yeah. low-hanging fruit and they beat it to death because they're unwilling to believe it. Well, many years ago, I it, and it may have been out of fear of the paranormal because I had had experiences as a kid that I didn't understand that made no sense to me, but I wasn't willing to believe that it was paranormal. It was more of, no, I, I must have just dreamed that or whatever, you know, uh, uh, sleep paralysis that I dealt with even in adulthood with something being in the room. Well, as a kid, I'd brush it off and I would go more of the cynic route. Well, now that I've been researching this for years, even before we started the show, it's kind of morphed into uh, I'm I may not immediately jump to believe you, but because I've had my own experiences and because I have read so many things from so many different people that they believe what they've experienced and who am I to argue with their personal experience? You know, I wasn't there. I, I mean, you honestly, like Matt said earlier, you don't seem like a quack. You don't seem like, you know, you were drunk or, you know, altered in some state when this happened. So why am I so immediately going to dismiss what you say? So I have, I've loosened up my skepticism to a degree you know, I think we always need to be skeptical of things so we don't get hoodwinked. But I also think we need to not be as quick to judge somebody as, nope, that's false, you're wrong, just because it doesn't fit into our paradigm of yeah. the world. Yeah. Well, no, we, we that's one thing we, I was thinking about this, the definitions, what you were just saying is that uh, a lot of people, again, the critiques we get is it's a lot of per, about perception. Everything is about perception, really, I guess, and, and philosophy, your, your personal philosophy and your personal perception. And when people say, like, we're not doing this or, or that, and we realize we must be doing something right because we get it from both sides. <clears throat> you guys are too credulous about this and you're not. And then some people will say you're not credulous enough. 
And uh, when you look at uh, what we all four of us here do uh, as podcasters is what skepticism should be is that you question everything. You question the things you believe and the the anecdotes that you believe in just because you should see who's saying this. What's the uh, the provenance, the provenance of uh, the statement and the person and, and where this information is coming from, as well as question the things you don't believe. And so that's what you that's really the tack that you need to be doing is you question everything, but you don't throw anything out uh, based on preconceived notions, because, right. yeah, you're right. That's what the cynic or the de- uh, debunker does that we're not even going to consider this because that's ridiculous. So right. we're going to look at the things we do know, which is a tiny bit of this of this overall weirdness. Yeah. But, uh, Matt, I was going to ask you because I've been wanting to, to, to know you're. You're having uh, all these experiences at these different places you were living at. And, and Adam, of course, will will mention this on the show or reference it, that uh, things seem to happen around you. Do you have any idea why? Not really. Um, I, I, you know, growing up, one, one of my close friends, his, his father is a, a medium. And he threw out middle school and high school we used to do things i mean we would we would have these seances and and whatnot play with a ouija board and it was it was fun it it would scare the the living crap out of us but at one point things began to escalate and i can remember um, us having a Halloween party at my parents' home and being about 17 years old. And Mr. Larkin, he came to me at the end of the night individually. And he said, Matt, he said, I, I would, you've known me your whole life. You know, I would never do or say anything just to scare you. He said, but with everything that's gone on, he said, if you ever wanted to dig into this deeper, he said, you have this gift. He said, you have the ability to sense these things and, and they know it. He said, so I wouldn't be surprised if you experienced something tonight. And, and I did, and it wasn't anything just, tremendous you know essentially i woke up in the night and my dog was was growling at something in the kitchen and would not go into the kitchen and i couldn't get his attention or anything and then after a few minutes he he just wandered in there and sniffed around everywhere but was obviously panicked and and was on alert for something but there was nothing in there so that's what happened right after he told me that. But over the years, I have, you know, I've told the story so many times and so many people know um, that I, I, I'm always just like, these are just things that happened to me as a child. But as an adult in my 30s, I, I pick up the telephone. My mom, she says, did you come by the house today? And I was like, nope. She's like, are you sure? I was like, I'm pretty sure I would know if I came by your house today. 
I said, why? And she said, well, when your dad and I got home, all of these things had been pulled out of the closet and stacked up in the middle of the floor. And we thought maybe you had come by here looking for something. Like, well, number one, I wouldn't drag everything out of a closet and leave it for y'all to find. I said, is anything missing? I said, no. Doors were locked. There, you know, nobody was in there. Nothing's missing. Things are just pulled out. And it wasn't in a in a way where this particular closet, something could have fallen and opened the door. It was a a, a louvered door. So if something fell, it would just push the door. It wouldn't open it. And and plus it was in the middle of the room. And you know, it, it something physically moved it a good 15 feet away from the front of the closet door, which was actually around a corner. These things happen all the time. And last summer, you know, my dad kind of gets me over to the side and he says, I want to talk to you about something. He says, I've been seeing these things in the house. I was like, what have you been seeing? And he said, he said, if I'm, I, I, if I'm doing something, if I'm working in the shop, if I'm standing in the kitchen or whatever, he said, I'll see something dark out of the corner of my eye. And he said, it's moving. It, it has a form, but he said, if I turn and look at it, it's not there. And mm-hmm. I said, how often does this happen? And he says, almost every other day. I said, oh, I think it's shadow people. And I, I actually got him a, a large chunk of black tourmaline. And I said, put this in your pocket for two weeks and carry it with you. I said, and then set it on the nightstand. I said, and I, 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 I almost guarantee you this will stop. <laughs> and, and it did. Um, yeah. but the, you know, this, this happened last year and one of, one of my houses, uh, a house I lived in, um, in Hendersonville where Adam lived. Um, I, I would see two figures. I would see a man, a large man with a hat, like in an overcoat, he would walk from one end of the hall to the other and go into what would have been my daughter's bedroom. And I would see a little girl and she was wearing a yellow dress and it happened so often that I just, I never said anything. I just kind of got used to it. I mean, stuff would turn on and off in the house. Weird things would happen. Everybody just kind of plays it off. But I I turned around one night after I'd seen it and I looked at my ex-wife and I said, I don't want to scare you, but I keep seeing these things and I just wonder, do you see them too? And I remember her reaction. She just squinted up and she was like, yes. And so I said, (laughs) what, what do you see? And she's like a little girl. And I was like, okay. I said, tell me about her. She's like, she's wearing a dress. I was like, okay. I said, can you tell me what color the dress is? She says, yellow. And I was like, yes. I was like, that, that's fantastic because it was, ju- it, it just validated that what I was seeing wasn't in my head or just something mistaken out of the corner of my eye. I had somebody else tell me this is exactly what I see and it matches up with what you see. And I had not told her anything about it. So those are the type of things that I've experienced. And I I don't know if it's, if it's something about me, but it sure does seem that way that 
I don't know, maybe I'm an antenna for this kind of stuff, but I, I, I definitely consider myself to be a sensitive um, where you can kind of pick up on, you know, something is really off about a place and it's really where and, and this happens to me a lot too. And and then I'm a, I'm gonna pass it to Scott because I, I know Scott wants to share some things too, but um, there are times where I will, I will kind of think ahead and say, something's fixing to happen. I need to do something to prevent it from happening. And there is a, because I drive so much during the day, I'm, I'm always on alert because I figure like if I'm on the road this much, I'm at the high risk to, you know, have an accident. I'll be approaching a red light and I just get something in my head says that person right there isn't going to stop at this red light. And if I keep going, we're going to hit right in the middle. And sure enough, I will slow down and zoop, that car will go right through. And it's happened so many times I can't even count. And I just know, I just get a feeling hey, that I can, I can look at them and tell this is what's don't, don't go in, don't, don't go into this intersection yet. And whoop, they go right through. It, it happened yesterday. Do you think that that's something within you, Matt, or something outside of you that's watching out for you and communicating that or a combination of the two. I don't know. I've, I've never had any experience where I would, um, I would say I had any kind of guide. Um, I, I've never had any kind of direct communication like that. And, and Adam and I have, have friends that do, um, you know, that, that, you know, know their spirit guide by name. It communicates with them. Um, I have never had anything like that happen. Now I'm not saying that it that it's not that, um, but I've I've never considered myself to have any kind of psychic ability or anything, you know, other than those little premonitions about my own personal safety. I, I've I've never had anything else. I've I've you know everybody gets you know the willies from time to time, and you know you just get a bad feeling about something, and then if something bad does happen, you're like, ooh wow, you know that was. But I mean, I've had I've had dozens of experiences like that and nothing happened at all. But then you get that. I'll get those ones that just say. You better listen to this one. And it's always quick. It, it's never anything about the future. It's always right now. You know, bam, mm-hmm. something's about to happen. And you, you, you make just a minor change in what you're doing and you realize, whoo, that could have been bad. Well, Scott had certainly one of those experiences, and uh, I'll ask him again now, Do you, has that changed uh, since you had it, that moment where you put the brake on the car, the parking brake, at a, at a, at a red light, which is not normal yeah. for you or usually anybody, but it was, I remember at the time, you describing it as feeling something outside of you, saying like, just hold on a second, don't go yet. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And yeah, I sat at the light and it was the light I went through regularly. And um, the lead up to this was that I was on the tail end of an entanglement with something really, really powerful and dark from the Sally house in Kansas Mm -hmm. that I had been to several months earlier. 
And so I was really up in my head about a lot of things that were happening. But one thing that was happening was that I was at this light and I did, I put the car in park and put the emergency brake on and cause I was sitting there and in my head, I was thinking how, how far I'm so far away from this thing right now, but I still feel like it can mess with me. I feel like it could send a car through this intersection into my car. And I, that's when I had put the brake up. And, um, you know, it's electronic brakes, not a big deal, but like, you know, one of those ones where you just do like a little button, you lift it up and the, it comes on electronically. And I had put it in park. And then um, I realized that the light was green and had been for a few seconds, probably five or 10 seconds, maybe. And I looked to my left and this car just flew through the intersection full speed, not even trying to brake, and even looked at me. The driver looked at me and waved like like an apology wave, like he realized it too late. And wow. if I had gone, if I hadn't been having that inner monologue with myself about how crazy I probably think I am, like and if I had gone when the light had changed, I would have been T-boned at about probably 30, 35 miles an hour by a Prius. And I probably would have been okay because I have a Land Rover, but it would have been a really bad situation, yeah. really bad. And... um. It's just crazy. It was it was weird, but that was all getting back to your question about belief changes. Most people listen to our show know that I went through a significant change after an encounter on an EVP we collected at the Sally House in Kansas. There's a long multi-part series on it, but if you want to just hear the EVP, you can go to um, our YouTube channel for Astonishing Legends. It's called File 10. It's up there. Um, Although I don't recommend it for yeah. everybody. Dude, that, real quick, that I have listened to hundreds and hundreds of EVPs. That one, yeah. that one gave me the willies. And I, I think I texted Matt after hearing it on that episode. And I went, what in the hell was that? I don't, I don't have that reaction to anything. <laughs> oh, you know, I yeah. was, listen, I was driving at me night out. listening to the show and that came on and I was like, well, this is the wrong time for me to hear this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's there well, is no right time yeah. to hear that recording. No, honestly. but it, I, and again, it, it's uh, that's another thing I've learned since starting this, this show is that everything about this is so subjective and so personal, and again, it's so much about perception. And our beliefs. And that's why people get so fired up about this stuff is that you're messing with their beliefs, uh, belief in something, belief against something. Uh, and they don't want to hear anything different. And so there was a getting back to Reddit, there was a uh, and it's funny how I, I don't think people think we ever read those, but we read a lot of them. And as you know, some of them are, are not very nice. But in this case, uh, you know, it reminded me again of how much that EVP has run the gamut of experiences for those that listen to it. And that, uh, you know, and so of course most of this thread was like, now eh, those guys, you know, they, they went on and on and on about it for two hours. And when I hear it and it's a bunch of noise, it's nothing. It was, uh, the biggest letdown ever. They jumped the shark, blah, blah, blah. And I can understand that. And it's like, I, I totally get that. You hear that. And it just sounds like static. Uh, what I can tell you is that I, I can't tell you what it is, but uh, to me, it sounds like speech. Uh, that recorder does not just always do that all the time, but it does it a lot in the places where you expect to get an answer like that. And it it just, 
you know, it's it, it's not a flaw, I can tell you, that makes noise sound like human speech. I've worked in audiovisual, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> endeavors for most of my life, since uh, I was helping out my dad when I was 10. And I uh, dealt with a lot of audio equipment, and uh, nothing's ever done it uh done something like that. We take it to Ed Primo, who is uh, one of the best audiologists in the country and the world. And what's interesting is that he can't duplicate the sound. So while he had it for an extended period of time, it doesn't do it. Then we get it back and I can get it to do it at uh, at any haunted place we've been to. Not everyone, not not every not every place. But in some strange places, and I, I will tell you because we haven't really announced this in the show, we haven't played it because we want to know more about what's going on with it, in that uh, it's given me some answers and I've picked out words from it that just, it's not static. That's just ridiculous to me. Right. So, uh, but it, but to other people's point, I, and again, I totally get this, is that you hear it and it's just like, yeah, these guys are full of it. I mean... I, ex- I respect some people, though. I mean, yeah, but you're you're yeah. painting it. You're you're leaving out the fact that we have a spreadsheet with 130 reactions oh, on it. No, and no. 85 I, to 90 yeah. percent of them are people talking about getting sick, having to yeah. pull over. One couple got in a car accident as they were playing it. They got rear ended. Uh, we had a you know, so the the overwhelming majority of the feedback is from people saying it almost seems like it has m- metadata in it. In a way, yeah, that's, that's that's my that's yeah, that was yeah. Uh, what I termed it as. Uh, no, what I what my point being is that uh, and these folks are who are uh, downplaying this or poo pooing it or what they don't realize because they haven't seen the feedback and we haven't really talked about it is that most people have gotten a reaction. Some have just been like, "Ooh, that's creepy. Like, Ugh, I had to turn that off. Some people break out in tears, break out in a sweat, uh, just have these really strong reactions and in a variety of ways, uh, some of which we're not at liberty to to say how, but in really strange technological ways, uh, this has affected people and equipment. So most people have had a reaction. But like I said, it's not for for everybody. You go into a haunted house, it's like somebody could go to the Sally house a thousand times and nothing ever happens. It just smells mm-hmm. musty. And they're not, they don't, they, the message isn't for them. They They can't feel it. They see nothing. And that's as valid as anybody else's experience. It's just their experience is a big old goose egg. Somebody goes in believing that they're going to see something in the course. They see something. Somebody goes in, doesn't believe in any of that and has an experience and it changes them. Or Well, I didn't think anything was going to happen. So, <laughs> Well, I, frankly, I didn't either. You I, know, figured, because, I believed yeah. the stories from 10 or from 15, 20 years earlier that had happened. But I figured that that was done, said and done. But, and that it was now just a tourist trap, and yep. that's what I went in thinking. Well, the and, I, and that so. was probably but, uh, like Forrest said, meant the a message meant for you. That was probably meant because of what field you're in, what you do. Yeah. Something yeah. there said, "Look, you're looking into us. We're going to prove ourselves to you," and that's yeah. the way that it needed to prove itself to you. But as you guys probably have, I've, and I know Matt has listened to hundreds and hundreds of EVP, EVP clips mm-hmm. and the vast majority of them, you can't tell what they're saying until the ghost hunter goes, Oh, he just said, look at his eggs. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Now I hear, look at his eggs. I get that, you know, yeah, right. yeah, but yeah. you don't, 
you don't hear anything. It, it literally is just noise. But there's the one or two, and that one that y- you guys got was the most, I, I guess, uh, intense for me, where, like I said, I got the willies. I got chills. I was at work yeah. the day that I heard it, and yeah. I actually had to stop and walk away. I was working at a, a guitar factory, and I had to go walk away and walk underneath the, the big towers of pallets and wood and just kind of stand there and decompress for a second because I'm like, if I get on a machine right now, I'm going to cut my damn hand off because I'm just too out of it. So yeah. it was weird. And the first time I heard it, I, I messaged Matt about it and I said, have you heard it? And he's like, not yet, but I'm listening to it now. And then later on is when he heard it. And it was, it was weird. It was weird. Well, yeah, that, that uh, I will say about that that device. There's something. Uh, it was it was funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't normally. Uh, I, well, I don't have cable at all. But uh, when Scott was living uh, in Los Angeles, I would sometimes house sit for him when he was away for like a week, and hang out with his dog, and and I'd watch cable <laughs> and catch up all these shows I don't normally get. And so it was. Uh, I think it was around Thanksgiving, and it was the uh, uh, the festival of ghost adventures. Uh, which I hadn't seen a lot. So I, I mowed through, I don't know, 20 episodes or whatever, this marathon. And that's when they got to the Tintic Mine episode, yeah, uh, which is pretty – people started emailing us about it. It's like, have you heard that they, they got something similar? And so, of course, it's a show, and they got to they build it up. But with their DR60, they got a little blip of it, uh, of this noise. And what's, it's become known as the Angry Man phenomenon with that recorder. Uh, but – you know, people think like, well, it, it was doing that all the time, and that's why Panasonic stopped. It's like, n- no, it was picking up uh, un- uh, voices that people were hearing that they didn't know about. And there's no proof now that Panasonic actually, you know, took all these back as a recall and stopped manufacturing because it. They just they just upgraded the model to something else. So there's a lot of lore and legend about that device. Uh, but they got a blip of it, and I was just thinking like, wow, if you you thought that was scary, and you're all right around screaming expletives you should hear what we get because this thing pays off like a slot machine (laughs) and that it's it's and and it's various uh, different classes of evp evps too i don't know what uh ghost researchers would classify that because uh it sounds like speech i think i can hear definite words picked out of it that make some coherent sense uh and what i mean by that is context to our being there and as a response to our being there and then the rest of it's just it's just uh, overmodulated noise for, for whatever reason. And then I've been in places where it doesn't sound angry, but it has that quality, that same timbre, that same quality of sound where it's, it's really overmodulated screaming, but it, I don't get the sense or the tone that it's angry. It's just trying to, something's trying to, to talk at me into the machine. But it's like you give uh, your, your, your great grandfather recorders like, no, grandpa, don't, don't put your mouth on it. Mm-hmm. You just put, hold it about a foot away. It'll hear you. He's like, well, I don't get how to work. This thing's working. And that's kind of what it sounds. That's the impression I get is that they're amorphous. They're floating around. They're not a, a foot away from the mic. They're maybe in the mic. They're around this thing. Who knows? But I've gotten a lot with that thing since then and uh, in various classes. And I think, you know, a couple of class A EVPs were, mm-hmm. I could hear what it's saying. So uh, here's the a- last one was at the Talbot Inn. Right. Here's a question for um, you guys. Do you think that 
as in with the Ouija board, there is a spirit that has long time been associated with the Ouija board. And I'm not going to say his name because the last time I did, we had a recording issue where our recording equipment shut off during recording and it's never happened before, mm-hmm. never happened since. So I'm not going really? to speak his name. Yeah. Okay. Um, start starts with a Z. You can look it up. Um, <laughs> I know who it is. Yep. Uh, so he's it's associated. A, I, he's associated with the Ouija board. Do you think that there is a entity or something attached to the frequency that that DR60 picks up at? And the reason that it sounds so similar between DR60s and between locations is because you're picking up the same entity that is in that frequency range. And if we're to look at other types of recordings, uh, recording devices, maybe there's other frequencies that other entities can tap into. But this one is associated with that frequency. And that's the reason why they all sound like that angry man entity. Well, you know, the sample rate on that unit is notoriously low, and we've never confirmed what it was. I think it might be six or eight. I, got it right. I actually happen to have Oops. it at my desk here right now, since we're on video. Yeah, still not far enough away from me. Um, but the, <laughs> um, it could be that at that sample rate, you know, that, I mean, that's an interesting idea, because, you know, most, pro, you know, for, for listeners, professional audio is generally these days recorded at 44,100 hertz or 48,000 hertz. And that's how, and the sampling, what it's doing is it's sampling the audio in the course of a, uh, of a second analog audio, which is a curve, is sampled by this little staircase. And each time the step intersects the curve, that's one of the sample points. And the more sampling you do, the more the staircase of sampling becomes like a curve. It becomes closer and closer to analog there's a point at which you probably can't hear the difference at the human ear. But this particular recorder was a low-end voice recorder in the early days, and it's only like 8 hertz or something like that. So it's probably prone to having issues. And even when you talk into it and you try to use it like they probably did back when they bought it to make a grocery list, you sound like crap. Mm-hmm. So um, so that's an interesting idea, what you're saying there. I like, I'd like to see one of these units that works um, be dissected by some electrical engineers. But the problem is they're going for like two grand on eBay right now. They were 20 bucks when they came out and everybody's trying to buy them. There's been a few interesting articles written about how they might work and how they, what might be the problem. But even the most erudite, like well-researched article that I looked at required some kind of input. And this was in an empty room in a small house in a quiet town. Right. There was no audio of any kind in that room for it to even start to make something out of. It didn't. We did not give it any play-doh to. So there's no. no, no it's, it's yeah. It, it, it's it uh, I used some, it. It picked up something from nothing. We looked at everything. We talked to ham radio people. We talked to forensic audiologists. We we you know we studied the town. There's no two-way radio towers anywhere mm. near the house. Nothing. Nothing. And so. When you read these articles, oh, it's well, it's it's taking the sound that's in the. There was no sound in that room. Right. There was nothing in that room. Yeah. And the I've, door I've, was locked. I yeah. mean, closed, not locked. It was closed, and we were all downstairs in another part of the house. So no. And since then, I've uh, uh, my one of the biggest ones I got after that experience was at the Talbot Inn, uh, and I twice uh, in two successive summers I've been there and, and gotten something. The first time though, 
uh, my room, which was in the other, uh, the kind of the newer part, which is still an old part of the uh, the the inn. Uh, my room had the old bank vault in it, and now it was a closet. So I tried it inside of a uh, a, a converted a bank vault with the uh, quarter inch steel de- steel doors that are still on it. Uh, plus that, that other inner door, which has still got the uh, the dial on it, and thick cement walls that are probably steel lined. And I got something in there. I've yeah, gotten that's, something that's like a Faraday in, um, cage. Essentially, yeah, it's just working. it's just very unlikely. I'm picking up the radio station next door, or you know, down the street. Uh, I've gotten something in uh, uh, the caverns. <clears throat> what are them? What are them big old caverns there in Ohio? She's uh, blanket. Mammoth caves. I was at Mammoth, Mammoth, Mammoth uh, caves, right. and got something down caverns. below. And then people are, uh, you know, people say, "Well, it's probably the uh, the guides down there on the on the walkies." Like, not when we did that because we were standing. Uh, you know, maybe 20 yards and they weren't on the radio. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but that's the thing you, you get people starting to grasp at straws, trying to explain this stuff. It's like, well, then it's coming from inside the recorder. Uh, the recorder itself just makes that interference. And that's why ghost hunters love it because the thing pays off and they always get an EVP like, okay. Um, granted, that's a possibility, but when you ask it a question or when you ask the ethers a question, uh, like I did the second time I was at the Talbot Inn and we're, we're at the, uh, in one of the rooms, which is near the old Jesse James room. And I ask, uh, is there anyone here that would like to speak with me, would speak with us? And I was with uh, Roger and Jill Pingleton at the time. And I play it back and that's one of my, uh, one of the best and last EVPs I got with it. And it comes back and it says, GTFO, that's spelled out, mm-hmm. leave me alone. Wow. So it wasn't like, you know, you know Memorial Day sale on mattresses, come down and stop these. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'm picking up a radio ad. Okay. Or it's just, it's, it's, oh, I'm hearing the, uh, the bellhop on his, uh, family radio service radio, uh, talking to, uh, the laundry, you know, downstairs. You ask it a question, it gives you what sounds like an answer, like, that is then a magic DR sixty eight ball recorder. Yeah, because we we we've also captured clear whispering English on it, so it's it's not just this angry man thing. It does all kinds of things. Yeah, uh, I think I've heard other other. I think I've heard Spanish on it. I think I've heard uh, other. You know, uh, other I used it in my get. house when I got it, and I at one. That's I, what you want to do. Yeah, have have a, have a cocktail. The, yeah, the dumbest the thing you're ever supposed to do. <laughs> I was drinking. It was like three in the morning, and I had just gotten it off eBay. And I, um, I think I was uh, debating how I was going to tell Forrest that I'd drop sixteen hundred of our hard-earned dollars on this <laughs> stupid ancient recorder. And like I'm, I'm down there drinking, and or there in my living room, and I'm just like, if there's, and I'm, I'm drunk. That sounds ridiculous. I'm just like, if there's anything here that wants to leave a message, um, can. Can you tell me or who are you? I said, who are you, or something like that. And then I didn't hear this, by the way, the answer on this, I didn't hear it for months. It was, we've sent the files to friends and somebody else heard it and then said, go back and turn that up. And sure enough, right after I said, who are you? You can hear a a whispering voice go, I can't tell. Oh, wow. Which is, that was in my living room. Uh, This house, by the way, this house I lived in a long time, never felt there was nothing 
bad there. Nothing mm-hmm. ever felt bad. No weirdness, really. I did. Um, but that's yeah. that's what that said. As soon yeah. as you heard that, you're like, okay, selling? Um, where's <laughs> yeah, my real estate yeah. agent? It is sold. <laughs> it is sold now. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, give, get, uh, give, give it to me. I mean, there is, uh, yeah, the house always had a good vibe. Uh, I've told about a uh, an odd experience I had there uh, just a few episodes ago. Um, again, I'm going off the uh, little dog, Lou, who was sleeping in the bed with me where she she picked it up first. Um, that, that's just quickly, I think I've, I've told that, where I've heard uh, loud cracks, which is, yeah, it's a house settling, perhaps. Uh, but this sounded like railroad ties being snapped in half, loud, uh, near the ceiling, and coming from the front door to the bedroom where I was staying. And, uh, you know, so I'm in the I'm in the guest bedroom, and uh, it's not 3.33 in the morning, but it is like maybe 2 in the morning. And I, I maybe was just falling, you know, not nodding off after about 15 minutes. And then, uh, and then it stopped. I was like, well, that, man, that was loud. And then uh, wh- about a minute later, Lou jump, you know, darts out of the covers. And, uh, you know, she, I mean, she'll bark at a parked uh, front end loader, okay? She'll, <laughs> she'll bark at a, a fire hydrant if it's just like, I don't like that thing. Mm-hmm. She, she bolts out of the covers and she's staring at the door, at the bedroom door that's open with a, with a little bit of light from the hallway still, uh, like a nightlight kind of thing going on. And she's not saying or moving anything. She's just staring intently at the door. And it's like, uh, what she's seeing that I can't see. Right. What was coming down the hall that making all that noise and stopped at the bedroom door that now she just alerted to. Because she didn't jump out. She didn't jump out when she heard the big cracks. She It was like maybe uh, 15 seconds later after they stopped. Uh, uh, 30 seconds later. Something alerted her, triggered her that there is something at the door. And she stood there for about a minute and then she finally like, okay. And then she went back into the covers. So who knows? I didn't feel anything, but with that, uh, with the recorder though, the, the one that I got, like I said, where I don't, again, it's, it's context and it's meaning. And I don't care if you don't think that thing is working and uh, we're making this up that it's uh, somehow an internal malfunction because uh, again, you ask it a question and it doesn't, uh, it's not, you don't get the morning zoo radio show. Uh, mm-hmm making jokes coming through this thing or just, you know, interference, which I've heard plenty of, which sounds like nothing doesn't sound like words. I was uh, visiting my uh, grandparents gray with my, with my mother and father. And uh, they, uh, yeah. So my grandparents were in the cemetery. It's a nice day. It's a little bit windy. So I know I'm getting some wind noise, but before we decided to go, my parents had never seen uh, this thing being used. I said, "Well, let me let me I, let me get this out. I'll sh- I'll show I'll show you how this thing works." And my dad again, he's he's been an audio video guy all of his life uh, in film and uh, uh, and still photography, so he understands how recorders work. Um, been using them all his life, and uh, so I said, "Well, let me let me just ask uh, a question here while we're at the gravesite." And I said. Uh, uh, you know, Grandma and Grandpa's been great visiting you. I hope you're doing well wherever you are. Uh, if you're if you're still around here, is there is there anything you want to tell us? And what I got back was, and I and I I not everybody I realize has heard this. I think I tried playing it for Scott. It's just not easy to do that over the phone or anything to to hear it. But I believe it said, "Like what, for example?" I hmm. asked, "Do you have anything to say?" It's like. It's somebody with a smart aleck answer came back and said, like what, for example? Yeah. And I know it. And that's the thing. The feeling was that my grandfather would never say that. Neither would my grandmother. You know, they'd be, hi, I love you. We're, we're doing fine. 
somebody is floating around there being a smart ass. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, because that was also the tone of the words coming back. Like, like what, for example, <laughs> like somebody's joking with us. And now you see all these TikTok videos of people driving through the cemetery with their uh, Tesla and yep. the, the LIDAR de- uh, detection picking up people in the broad, in broad daylight that aren't there. Yep. Well, and you, you mentioned the dog. Uh my beagle uh beagle basset hound mix dallas um when i lived there in uh, hendersonville in tennessee i had this small little house and matt remembers this uh pretty well that's where we the show started and we recorded there and everything but um he was the one that alerted me to the fact that there was something that visited the house because he would just stare down the hallway at some points and i'm like what are you looking at? You know, and I'm trying to look around the corner and see what he's staring at. And finally, I noticed there was a figure that would move from one bedroom across the hall and to the bathroom. And it went in this, that motion every single time. And it was like this man-sized shadow. And we ended up calling him Frank. Don't know why, but that's just what came out was Frank. And he would open and closed the hallway door there. There was a closet right outside the bathroom. And if it was slightly ajar, he'd push it closed and it'd go boom, and you could hear it click, lock in. And sometimes if it was closed all the way, if he walked through, it would go and the doorknob would turn and pop open. And um, when my wife and I first started dating and she was staying over there one night, um, she the next morning said, so I guess like a car drove past or something and created this shadow uh, in the hallway. But after I saw it, I couldn't go back to sleep. And I said, oh, yeah, uh, what did it look like? And she described like a, a tall, you know, man-like figure. And I said, oh, yeah, he's here all the time. And she goes, and you didn't <laughs> yeah. tell me this. I would have slept better knowing that you knew about it. But, you know, then we and he would show up every now and then. I never felt like anything negative from him, but I did have sleep paralysis a lot in that house. And that's what caused me to look into the black tourmaline. And that's why there there's black tourmaline around my neck and several pieces in my house next to my bed. Mm -hmm. Once I got that and I put it around the house and I wear it now, the sleep paralysis stopped. But I, I had a weird thing where i woke up and could not move and i out of the corner of my eye i saw what i thought was dallas on this side because it was a white shape then i realized no dallas is on my right side i can feel his warmth and him next to me against my leg on that side so what is this and it was like a white hairy figure sitting on the side of my bed and I'm, I still can't move, so I'm freaking out. And it stands up, and it starts to walk toward the door, and it turns into a white cat. And then it walks out of the door, and as soon as it gets out of my door, it vanishes, and I'm able to move again. And I know I didn't, you know, people say, well, you just woke up. No, I was awake the whole time. There was no change between me being able to not move and me being able to move. So after that is when I'd started looking at black tourmalin and stuff like that and hadn't happened mm-hmm. since, but that was the freakiest thing that ever happened to me in that house. 
Yeah, that's crazy. So it was. Do, do you think it was a cat or something that just was cat shaped or taking the shape of a cat? I, I think uh, it was because it's part of its nature. Yeah, I think it was just taking the shape of a cat. I've tried to look into the symbolism of mm-hmm. white cats and stuff like that. And I've not made a determination yet, um, but I feel like it was some sort of I'm here, but I'm going to in this way show you that whatever meaning it wanted me to know by taking the white figure and then turning into a white cat and walking away from me. I feel like there was some meaning to all of that. I just haven't, Mm. you know, I haven't pieced together exactly what it is. And I I try to always research, well, what's the symbolism of the white cat from this, uh, this culture and from that culture. And so still working on it, but I, I, I don't think it was like a spectral cat. I think it was something taken the form of, a cat. Mm. Mm-hmm. But wow. It was wild. Well, uh, yeah. Uh yeah, I don't think so. I don't think Scott and I have ever seen anything spectral. Uh but I, I you know what's what's funny is that sometimes even he and I do in the show as much as we do, uh there's sometimes you don't think about stuff or uh there'll be something that he either he or I have not mentioned to each other. But Scott, have you ever uh, see anything odd and then and part of that question is uh how is i know that uh sally house changed your perspective or opened up or moved your needle but what are your bigger ideas on how to think about this stuff uh have you become i guess in a way have you become more metaphysical and uh if you have become more metaphysical in your thinking, do you think that that's mm-hmm. opened you up and have you ever, uh, because of that, have you seen more stuff or anything or maybe something like what they're talking about that's spectral? No, I haven't. I mean, I've seen, I you know, I like shadows here and there in broad daylight, wide awake, uh, but not very often. And even the ones I've seen, I couldn't say it wasn't, you know, yeah, a plain passing over a skylight or something like that at at the place that I used to live. Um, I have not, I have not had like uh, any serious um, nighttime encounters like you guys have had, which are, those are terrifying. I, um, I do have exploding head syndrome and I had that issue a couple of times, but usually not more than once or twice a year. And it's been quite a while now since the last time it happened. And I too have all kinds of (laughs) <laughs> this is what happens to us paranormal podcasters. I have all kinds of rocks around this house. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing black lava right now. Yep. I'm like, I've got all kinds of stuff going on. And, and, but I think, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I believe more in the unseen than I used to. And I think there's a lot of false positives with people who, um, you know, sure. think they've, you know, think they've seen Bigfoot, and it's a bear or a dog or whatever. But I also think that Bigfoot is out there, that people are seeing real things mm-hmm. and hearing real things and encountering real things. And I think it's the case with all the stories. And I think it goes back to something we've already talked about tonight is it's I think it has more to do with perception than and your own perception, that being a personal thing to you than it does with. I think it's more that than it is. Here's this object or this being or this creature or whatever. And it's right here and everyone could see it if they were only standing here with me. I don't think that's the case. I think it's, uh, it's a very personal, uh, 
experience. And so I know I used to say, well, how come the person next to you didn't see it or hear it? If they didn't, then it didn't exist. You're imagining things. I don't think that anymore. Right. I, I, I don't think that anymore. By the way, um, one hour ago, the New York Times updated their latest article on the disclosure report mm. with the headline, U.S. finds no evidence of alien technology in flying objects, but can't rule it out either. Now, this is not a comprehensive <laughs> no, update. So nothing. It's, it's a <laughs> like, nothing. Like, like none of them I are, but it says. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so basically, it's listen to these three paragraphs, because the rest of it's a rehash. American intelligence officials have found no evidence that aerial phenomena witnessed by Navy pilots in recent years are alien spacecraft, but they still cannot explain the unusual movements that have mystified scientists and the military, according to senior administration officials briefed on the findings of a highly anticipated government report. The report determines that a vast majority of more than 120 incidents over the past two decades did not originate from any American military or other advanced U.S. government technology, the official said. That determination would appear to eliminate the possibility that Navy pilots who reported seeing unexplained aircraft might have encountered programs the government meant to keep secret. But that is about the only conclusive finding in the classified intelligence report, the official said. And while a forthcoming unclassified version expected to be released by Cong- to Congress by June 25th will present few other firm conclusions, senior officials briefed on the intelligence conceded that the very ambiguity of the findings meant the government could not definitively rule out theories that the phenomena observed by military pilots might be alien spacecraft. And the rest of the articles are rehash. Hmm. So, so I guess that's a lead. That's a, a leak on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we've learned nothing. So we can't prove it's alien, <laughs> but we don't know what it is. Well, what is yeah. that? Yeah, that's nothing. So well, that's, it's it's it, that's a big question if uh, if it's a, a foreign government because, like I said at the at beginning of our our talk here, is that uh, that's one grounded thing is that which is real. Yeah, you, you should uh, you know it's uh, the the phrase that you hear bandied about is like, well, if this is if these things are real, it's the biggest intelligence failure. Since uh, whatever it's since the, the intelligence services were created, it's like uh, if it's Russian or Chinese, yes, because yeah. then you really didn't understand that they have broken uh, the barrier to all physics known to human beings. Uh, but if it's not, what are you going to do about it? There's nothing, you know, there's no in some sense, there's no worrying about it because it's like you have no you can't stop them. They've shown uh, as with a. Uh, uh, Momstrom, they can shut down an entire missile array just by being there and turn it back on. And that's not even connected to the Internet. And there's a there's a reason for that. So uh, there's they're showing you that we're here. We're watching you. Uh, and the message has always been uh, from anybody that's that's heard uh, them communicate to us. It's like, hey, watch your watch yourselves. Check yourselves. Because you're not uh, you're not on the best path here, uh, and there may be consequences of your own making, but maybe from us too. And so, just paying attention is is getting people hard enough uh, to do. But uh, what I also have been has been saying have been saying about this is that, uh, as with all paranormal things, it's like the people that uh, you know again that think whatever we presented was was blown out of proportion, don't believe in something. Uh, not are not buying this disclosure and will not. Uh, there's nothing you can tell them because they'll never understand until they experience it themselves. And then even then, it may not ring any bells for them. It's just it, it's such a personal thing 
that uh, you just got to let them do their thing. It's just, and there's nothing you can present to them. Uh, but I do have a joy, <laughs> I have a, a, a kind of a, uh, I do take pleasure when people do have a, like, oh my God, I always thought this was baloney. And then this happened to me. And I'll bet mm-hmm. you guys get a bunch of emails like that too. Yep. Yeah, we get that a lot when people finally um, have a realization and it brings them around to what they've been poo-pooing for maybe 20 years. And I, I, I've i gotten to the point where I just smile and I'm like, yep, well, welcome to the club, you know, and it's, right. it's, a, it's an elite club. Be glad you're here, but, <laughs> you know, um, but gentlemen, I, I know Matt and I have loved having you guys on uh, tonight. It's, it's been a long time coming and we really appreciate it. We know our listeners are going to love it. So thank you guys for joining us tonight for this round table of weirdness. Well, thanks so much for having us. Uh, hello to all your listeners. It's a pleasure to be here, a pleasure to uh, have a chance to do this, and hopefully we can do it again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, maybe yeah, this even, is, maybe yeah. even live. Hey, there you go. That's an idea. Maybe, maybe so. That's not, uh, again, that's on our big table of possibilities. And the other thing is that, uh, uh, yes, hello to all of our same listeners. Uh, yes. And this is why we got into it or had the idea to do a podcast to begin with is that like, you know, it'd be fun to talk to some like-minded folks about stuff we find interesting and it just runs the gamut of, mm-hmm. of anything of, uh, and you hit on all the big points, philosophy, science, technology, uh, spirituality, uh, ghost stories and, uh, and legends and fables. And it's all rolled all into stuff, one. All that stuff in those books mm-hmm. behind you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and then, oh, well, partially reconstructed the, Death Star. Yeah. Talk about the, uh, <laughs> the out library at Alexandria. And I wonder what's, uh, in the, the, the Czechoslovakian, uh, uh, the the Prague Library there behind me, which I, I hope is uh, that photo. By the way, is uh, if you I, in case you brought that up, was by Sean J. Yan, the photographer. So uh, I just quickly borrowed it to, so you don't, you're not seeing a bunch of foam. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But if uh, Adam, if you notice that uh, we got your uh, Scott, if you move to your right, uh, we have uh, Adam's uh, raccoon skull on our shelves there. Oh there yeah, nice, nice. Yeah. yeah, it it goes with all the other. The ones behind me up here. <laughs> yep. yep, that's it. Yeah, I know. Yep, I saw those. Yeah. Yeah, yep. we appreciate it. But uh, no, it's it's thank you guys uh, for having us on. And uh, we're glad we finally found a way to to have you on that really didn't uh, take a lot of research yeah. for any of us. Yeah, yep. that's the, right. <laughs> the thing that, that takes up the most amount of time for all of us. But uh, yeah, we you guys are brothers and uh, we hope to be able to uh, get something together soon because... Uh, this is why we enjoy this, and it's what we enjoy. And uh, you know, all of us and our listeners, I think, are just one big yeah. family. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yep, and we'll do it. Scott Forrest, thank you so much. Uh, this has really been a lot of fun, and uh, we appreciate it. All right, thanks, we'll see you guys soon. All right, yep, we'll talk to you later. Adam, do you know what my least favorite question is? Mm, I bet I can guess, but tell me if I'm right. It's, what do you want for dinner? Yep. 
that causes more conflict in my house <laughs> than any other question. I, I promise you that. I don't know. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. But it does matter. It all it always matters. Oh, I want anything except for that, which is yeah. what you want. Right, right, right. With HelloFresh, you never have to worry about that question. What's for dinner? Okay? Because it's sitting on your front porch. Exactly. Ready to go. So what is HelloFresh, you might ask? HelloFresh is a meal delivery service where you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. You get to skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Absolutely. Besides eliminating the need for that what's for dinner question, HelloFresh cuts out that stressful meal planning and the grocery store trips so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in just about 30 minutes. HelloFresh offers 27 plus recipes to choose from each week from vegetarian meals and calorie smart choices to craft burgers and extra special gourmet options. There's something for everyone to enjoy with all recipes designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. That's right, Matt. And one of my favorite genres of food is Mexican food. I love Mexican food. And one of my favorite recipes from HelloFresh is a homemade taquito recipe where you... you make the taquito and they show you how to make it crunchy like a true taquito is so you get the crunchy outside tortilla and then your your spices and everything and I, I know I'm maybe sounding like I'm easy to please but one of the favorite things about that is the sour cream sauce that they have you mix up to put on there because it's not just sour cream you add stuff to it and make this like thin, almost creme fraiche type. Oh my god! I'm my mouth is watering. I can smell it right now. The the taquito just becomes the vehicle for the sauce. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. As much of that sauce and the pico de gallo and everything that that you can put on there, I'm I'm in heaven. But we just had that the other day, and I can actually smell another one cooking right now. I'm not just saying that for the ad. Ashley's cooking another HelloFresh meal down there while we're recording, and I can smell it coming through the vents. So we got to get this done, get this ad over with so I can go eat, Matt. Um, But I promise you're going to like it as much as we do. And all you got to do is go to HelloFresh.com slash Graveyard12. Use our promo code Graveyard12, and you can get 12 free meals, including free shipping. That's right. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Graveyard12 and use our promo code Graveyard12 to get 12 free meals, including free shipping. All right. So we hope y'all enjoyed that as much as we did. We, we want to thank Scott and Forrest again for coming on that was a blast um that we could have gone on for another four or five hours 
with those conversations, but there is a limit to um, what time we all had. It, it was late at night and we were all getting kind of tired. And so we, we, we might have to pick it back up and do it again soon, Matt. Yeah, I, absolutely. Uh, and it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, really great to hear from those guys. And, and again, thanks Scott and Forrest for coming on the show. So this is usually where I say, what do you think? And if you have any opinions about the topics that we discussed tonight, uh, let us know. Uh, the best place to do that is in our Facebook group. Uh, you can get in there, share personal experiences. You can ask questions. Um, we've got a lot of members in there that are really helpful. They're, mm-hmm. they're fun, and it's a safe place. Nobody is going to make fun of you. Nobody's going to pick at you. And we, we try to keep the spammers out as well as we can. It's so, tough, but um, uh, we try. <laughs> it, it is tough. And and if, if you haven't already, um, uh, if you're not subscribed to Astonishing Legends, go do that. I, I promise you, if, if you enjoy our show, you will enjoy the deep dives that Scott and Forrest do into some similar topics and to some topics that, that we haven't covered. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's one of my favorite shows and I know it is one of Adam's too. We think you'll really enjoy it. Um, but you can find us on other social media platforms, Instagram and Twitter. Just go and search graveyard tales. You can check out our website. It's graveyardpodcast.com. And on our website, you can find links to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise. You can listen to the show, learn a little bit more about Adam and myself, and you can become a patron. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, our $10 Patreon members will get a vid- the video of this show tonight with Adam, myself, Scott, and Forrest from Astonishing Legends. So, until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.